What's up, everybody? It's Hotline League episode 159. I am so excited to be here. It's a very, very, very exciting episode tonight for a variety of reasons that we'll be getting into in just a short time. But among those reasons is the fact that I am joined once again by my constant co-host, Mark Zimmerman, whose hair continues to befuddle those who witness it. Mark, how's, how is the hair stuff going? What's going on? What's happening? Uh, There's not really much of an update since last week. I'm still just pushing it around in my head didn't it get didn't didn't it get cut at some point in time didn't you guys do some sort of i, I cut it situation? like uh ashley helped cut it like three or four months ago but okay only the sides we, we were, we're too scared to touch the top because we fuck it up very good well uh in addition to our, my constant co-host mark zimmerman we're joined right now by medios for the first time in a while how's it going medios going good you you Life's may have seen medios the star of Sneaky and Meos' co-streaming on the weekends, uh, which Sneaky does not always show up uh, in time for. Yeah, a, I mean, a solo uh, show. He's a he's a what is the free spirit? Yes. Sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not. But either way, I enjoy watching the games. It's fun to talk about them, and uh, yeah, been having a good time with it. Very he's good. the star of the uh, the analyst desk too. We stole his tweet and ran it. Is that true? Yeah. You guys won't put yeah, him on yeah. the analyst desk, but you will steal his tweets for the yeah. analyst desk. Pretty much. I just watch Medios' co-stream and take a couple points, write them down, reuse them. Great. Good. Good then. Fun needs to be out there. Fantastic. Anyway, <laughs> anyway uh, we're going to – I want to say thank you to Alienware for sponsoring the show and also uh, another partner that we will talk about later. Anyway, we're going to get into that in just a bit. But first – Let's talk about this past weekend. So it was the first. It's kind of funny because LCS gets to cheat now where they're like, oh, they get to have two starts. It's like the start of the season really starts with lock-in and then the start of the season also really starts with LCS. Like a lot of you guys were tweeting Mark on the broadcast. I saw Dash and some other people being like, LCS is officially starting now. And I'm like, wait, does that mean LCS did not start with the lock-in? Is lock-in not an LCS tournament? What is going on? It was weird for me too because like, we like we kind of reset our stats in some situations, but not in others. Uh, so you know, it'd be like a two-game sample size, and I'd be like, "Yeah, Alfari's like fucking hard smashing people." And then you look at because it has his first game against Revenge, where he got solo killed, and his stats look terrible. But I'm like, "Wait, but his lock-in stats is like plus twenty, fuck!" Like, and so I don't know. It's it's a little bit of a a, a bit of a kerfuffle. Yeah, I guess. I also, seen the other side of that where I think it's like the when they pick the champions, you know, their band pick rate, win rate, it's yeah. like only from the lock-in tournament. So it'll be a champion that was played like twice, 50% win rate, and then loses every single time, you know, in the first week. And it's still showing 50% win rate. <laughs> <laughs> like throughout the course of the weekend? Yeah, looking at Zaya particularly, I don't yeah. think I saw her win. Yeah, well, I guess everyone's figuring stuff out. Um, as as how to, how to put lock-in into the regular split. But either way, it's fun. I mean... It's crazy to to see we're just normally by this point in time in the year, or at least by this point in time in the season, we would have had just every team play two games. And here, not only did they play the three games this past weekend, but we also have lock-in. So there's just a lot to talk about. And so that's what makes it extra spicy, whatever, like the CLG and TSM conversations, which I feel like will be a lot of what we talk about this, this uh, episode and some other stuff, the import stuff, all that uh, will be pretty good. I don't know, Mark, are there any standout stories from you this this past weekend anything that you noticed or you want to talk about or you think will be interesting i mean i think you hit the big ones about what's going on in the league um i got a reddit thread 
so I actually am someone interested in talking about that. I don't know if you guys Wait, saw it. No, I didn't see it. When was this and where was it? It's about you. It was, well, it was Vigar V2, you know, the C9, I think he's analyst oh. or like position coach. I, I forget exactly what his title is, but he had like a rant about a point and it was like this kind of just like, yeah, it was like one of those things where like there's a bunch of misunderstanding going on. Like he accidentally tagged Spawn, but it was my point, but I had referenced a, a point that Spawn made while filling and it was just like this, ah. this mess. Um, uh, but there was some interesting stuff about there that I, I do want to talk about between like like public facing analysts, like broadcast analysts and like the coaching community and player community and stuff. Well, wait, what, what was it? Or is now the right time to talk about it? You think? I don't care. Yeah, sure. If it's okay. Fine. Yeah. So break it down. Do you want to get to Meteos? If, if there's anything before I just launch into this? Uh, no, I want to hear this. Now I'm excited about this drama. Oh, God, nothing. drama. Uh, well, he called us uh, fucking idiots. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so like it was during a jungle reel of the golden guardians versus, um, C9 game where Blabber did the level two gank on the flashless Camille um, on Talia and he got the first blood. And the point that I wanted to make was like, uh, and this is what Spawn and I were talking about, was like Iconic didn't really adapt his path. Spawn wanted him to go um, after getting up to topside and getting that scuttle. I think what Spawn wanted was him to go bot and, and contest the bot scuttle, um, if I remember correctly. Uh, but the replay started really weird where they had like this swooping like cinematic shot of Talia as I'm trying to make this analytic point. I'm like, where the fuck am I in this replay? And so like, I kind of just started like word souping and like I said something that was like, oh yeah, you, you could have adapted and gone and like gone blue and bot or something and invaded bot. Um, and like Vigar thought I was saying like map split, which I don't know. It, either way, it was just like a breakdown. He was like, oh, you know, these analysts don't know fucking idiots and then they you know control people's perception of players and this kind of thing um so i don't know it didn't really bug me but it was just one of those things where i was like yeah i know i fucked it up i actually talked to the broadcast team before that even blew up where i was like let's not do like the cinematic replays on analytic points because it's just really confusing yeah. um but i think there's a couple interesting things to talk about which did you comment like, in the thread yeah i just explained like yeah i fucked up because I just word souped and that is like not at all the yeah. point I wanted to make. I just, I like, got, you're just like, you're kind of rambling. I mean, I think we've all been there. If, if you've ever been on the AD where you get this replay package handed to you and you're like, this is a good gank here by Blabbird, what the iconic thing, you know? So it, it was a mess. And like, I don't, I didn't defend it at all. I was like, yeah, it just, you know, it was the first time I saw that replay package. I didn't know what it was going to look like. And then I, I just got lost. Um, but I do actually like when people comment on the ad and talk about things and like you know there's a, a discourse and i just i'm sad that attention so... yes absolutely um but i think it's one of those things where usually i feel like what happens is like pro players and coaches and analysts and stuff who are on the team side we probably say a lot of wrong shit from their perspective and they usually like just don't comment on it until it probably builds up to a point where they're like, fuck these idiots. And then it's like this like buildup of like hatred that comes out, uh, which like I understand, but like, I feel like it'd be better if there was like a more constant like dialogue of like, Hey, I think you got this wrong. And then like, you'll find oftentimes that a lot of us are like, Oh yeah, you know what? That's interesting. Blah, blah, blah. We can talk about it. Um, but like, there's no incentive for them to do it. You know, like it takes time out of their day to, to respond to what we're saying on the AD and shit. So like, I get why it doesn't happen. Um, but like people like POE, who's really good about commenting, like, no, my build was supposed to do this. Like when people start talking about his Imperial mandate and shit, like at least he's like, you know, very good about communicating it and stuff. And I... That's a really funny example. Cause 
I, I've noticed Poe always does that. Like he goes on Twitter, defends his builds every time he does a troll build, but he didn't do it for the Corky game. Like, oh, that Leandry's Corky was some of the worst. <laughs> That's the worst build I think I've ever seen in a pro game. Like he was straight up trolling. And after the game, I went to look for the tweet. I was like, how's he going to defend this one? And it wasn't there. Like, <laughs> I don't Rough know. Rough game. Dude. We'll do better tomorrow. That was the tweet instead. There was just no tweet. Nothing. <laughs> Radio silence. <laughs> Oh, God, that's too funny. Do you... Yeah, uh, like, oh, go ahead, Mark. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, yeah, like, I appreciate, you know, when people, um, you know, comment and, and respond to things because uh, I feel like overall, I this is one of the things that I wish there was more. It was just, like, more back and forth between the two, like, Twitter slash broadcast analysts and, like, team side stuff um, before it gets, like, the buildup of, like, this guy's a fucking idiot, you know? Trashing yeah. my players, making people think my guys are bad. I mean, it's definitely weird because it's hard. There's not really like a good place to have that conversation. You know, it's like everyone will hear what the analyst desk says, even if you don't agree with it. Like, say I don't agree with something you say. I, th I thought it was really stupid. And I like tweet a response. You're not really gonna get the response or like have a way to respond to my response. And most people aren't gonna see like one side of it. So I think it can be kind of hard to have the conversation, but it can definitely yeah. be good. Yeah, and I think, um, like I said, there's there's not much of an in of incentive to like go out of your way for like most pros or analysts. On top of the fact that like I've I've also talked with Travis about this, I feel like the the power balance is definitely on the broadcast side of like when you have these conversations because I think fans will in general trust a pro player over like an AD member or whoever, um, but at the same time that's not their job, so to speak. And so like a lot of people are like, shut up and play or like this kind of thing. And uh, they'd also, like you said, don't have the same platform. So like, you know, the best that they can hope for if they're trying to correct something is like a Reddit thread response that someone else posts of their tweet that then I have to respond to, which is what happened here. And ultimately good, I think. But like, to your point, it's like a fucking mess to try and get that, that conversation started. I'm of the opinion that uh, everyone should just do what Medios does, which is when the analyst desk starts, he just puts a side-scrolling platformer on the screen and <laughs> plays that completely covering the analyst desk completely or any interviews or anything. And uh, that's what you should do instead. That's not totally what I do. <laughs> totally. Um, oh, well, see, on the co-streaming like league partner broadcast, it doesn't even give me the analyst desk audio or oh, anything yeah, like, it doesn't give me caster audio it doesn't give me analyst desk. i do listen to the interviews i watch the interviews but yeah you know when we have downtime there's nothing to look at between games you know, i'm gonna play some skull why not i don't even what is that game it's called skull it's skull. really good like s-k-u-l-l just one l okay s-k-u-l very good but yeah that's my that's my enjoyment <laughs> i i like the media stream a lot and i don't even have an issue with that because oftentimes you're talking about the game and stuff while you're playing it but it is it is very funny sometimes because I'll just see you don't even like cover the screen completely. So like Mark's head will be like bobbing at the edge of the of the window of the game. It's <laughs> like, yeah, because I got to see when they're coming back to the game. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's funny. Uh, I'm just teasing. Uh, OK, so obviously Mark Mark's biggest story of the weekend was his drama. Uh, Medios, what did you have anything that was really interesting to you about this weekend or any? I mean, again, like everybody's talking about uh, TSM and CLG, but I'm, I don't know if you've had anything that was interesting or surprising. Um, not to me personally. I mean, I've been co-streaming all the games, uh, you know, following it pretty closely, just trying to see how the teams are. So 
Uh, nothing really like directly related to me. But... I did like that on Sunday. You and Sneaky through the first three games were like, "Oh, all the games have been stomps. The schedule is just not that great today." And then we got the CLG TSM match, which was just like very entertaining, but in like a tragic way. Oh, that's where, that's yeah. a painful one. Yeah, I I can't. It's it was like the uh, game on Saturday. What was it? Immortals versus Golden Guardians, where it's like. You know, if you don't really understand the game at a high level, I'm sure it's entertaining and it's like close. But when when you're actually looking for good plays and you watch that, you're just like, "Oh my god, this is terrible. Please make it stop." I mean, it was entertaining to watch. I was I was flipping between your and Double F's co-streams and just like you guys would just be like, "Oh my god, this is so bad." And then I'd go to Double F's co-stream and he'd just be silent as like something was happening. And it it was just like watching a train wreck. So it it was a, a fun was way a to end end the uh, the weekend, I guess. I know that it was the fourth game, but yeah. Yeah, it was funny because I'm pretty sure High was on the desk that day, and you know he's just like talking about all the plays he thinks that they should have done to win the game. He's it was just hilarious seeing him. Like, like he's just sitting on the sidelines, like please, yeah. Do why don't they just do this? Why don't they just do that? <laughs> Yeah, too funny. yeah it, it was like you guys saw that reddit thread um i think it was like sunday night where they were like you know <laughs> the reason why clg is yes. like a good addition to the lcs and it's so true because like when you're watching clg's games like against tsm and 100 thieves i was just watching it and it's not even like a hindsight thing i was watching it in real time and i'm like okay they're in such a good spot they just have to do this and they'll win like the only way they lose is if they they have this like very very narrow lose condition and they somehow hit it every single time it's impressive oh, I, I forget whose tweet it was it might have been a Raz tweet about their one versus hundred thieves where it's like the only way they like lose this game is if they make it like a coin flip for uh elder or something <laughs> and then they go with soul take this like weird ass fight in your elder lose oh, it man that whole sequence was just some of the worst league of legends i've watched well yeah regardless great. A, sp a spicy weekend to get us going and i, I i'm excited for the calls that we're going to get tonight uh, Mark, do you want to, I think it's actually been a bit. Do you want to explain how the show works? Yeah. So for people who don't know, this is a live call in show. Uh, so you can come in. I'm spamming Twitch chat with the discord link. Um, go ahead, join up there. Once you get there, go join the pleb calls or pleb calls to voice channel, mute your microphone. When you get in there, no mouth breathers allowed. Uh, then in the pleb talk topics, text channel, you're going to write what your take is. Uh, so, you know, you think CLG is good for the league because their existence makes the other nine teams look great or whatever that that thread was. Uh, if I like your topic, I will pull you from the Pleb Calls voice channel into the waiting room where you will hang out until it's your turn to be on. We'll do a quick uh, mic check to make sure you sound good, and then you'll be on air with us. And if you, if you are a sub, first off, thank you for being a sub, uh, but also be sure to sync your Twitch with your Discord so that you can get access to the subtopics chat where you can also put your, to your topic. It moves a little slower than the pleb topics, so it's more likely that you'll get on uh, if you do that. But if your take is bad, it doesn't guarantee you getting on. So have good takes, please. Or at least interesting ones. Uh, anyway, while Mark is doing that, I want to read off some subs. Speaking of subs, uh, thank you to Adam XK, Justin C. Scott, Ari Waddle, uh, Ventus Official, Red Rifle. Uh, Red, I think that's what it is. Yeah, Red Rifle. Hobnobbin for one year, Real Foxy one for gifting a sub, Joey Ride and Big White Goon. Okay, uh, so looks like uh, I don't have anyone pulled, so you Mark better find some more ways to in fill. In the process of going through, 
the poll. Uh, I will ask Medios. What's your stock investment uh, game plan? What's your investment All on strategy? Doge. <laughs> oh, shit. All in on Dogecoin to the moon. Just to be clear, uh, this show is not offering any financial advice, uh, and nothing here should be considered that way. Uh, Medios is just talking about a crypto that he likes, cryptocurrency. Uh, no, but uh, Medios, how, how have things been for you this year? Because I know you've been doing the co-streaming, and what else have you been up to? Well, uh, that's the main thing I've been up to this year. Uh, I mean, we're still in COVID times, you know, so there's not a whole lot that I can even be doing. But, yeah, I've been trying to get back into streaming as well. Like, you know, I, I like co-streaming on the weekends, but also I'm just trying to get more into League. I took a pretty big break when... You know, Shadowlands came out. I just saved Azeroth. You know how it is. But I've been getting a little bit more into it. And, yeah, I mean, I've been having some decent fun with League. Nice. It's pretty good. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are really enjoying the game right now. So uh, I've heard mixed messages on the meta, but I feel like a lot of people are enjoying playing it. So it's good to good to hear. We have a caller. We do have a caller. Okay. OPTSM fan is here. OPTSM fan, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona. It's been a while since you've been on, I feel like. Yeah, it's been about probably a couple of months for sure. Definitely well, a whole full year. Welcome back to the show. What do you want to talk about on the show tonight? Uh, essentially, I think the overreaction from fans primarily, but even some people like uh, like the personalities towards TSM needs to be tampered right now. Okay. Why do you think that? Um... So there was like uh, I, I saw the uh, like thread that LS put out there about like how while they looked bad, I'm not going to discredit. They look horrible. I'm not here to make excuses for their play, but I think that with the way that the format of the new LCS is to where your record this split will transfer over into the summer, that there is going to be ample time for them to work out the stuff that they need, and whether that means Bjergsen going to find uh, like another coach or like some sort of like mentor to come in and help him out or you know he finds stuff through the staff with like curry and k's uh i think that it's just a it's an overreaction in my opinion because i feel that the lcs having the lock-in tournament gave people uh a look at tsm and all the teams that they never had before so they're drawing conclusions even faster when the lock-in tournament had no actual uh value on the split so the, the LS thread that you're referring to, I won't read the whole thing, but the first tweet is, TSM are quite literally a bottom-tier team at the moment, and there's no easy fixing it, especially not with five weeks left. Their laning phases, overall individual gameplay ideas, player by player, and drafting are all insanely bad. This is several times now they got away with stealing the Mona Lisa. This is following their win over CLG. And uh, he goes on for a little bit longer, but people can, can go look it up. Um, so, Mark, should people be less concerned about TSM? Um, are people overreacting? Yes and no. There's like part I, I agree with where like I still think that they can figure it out kind of thing. Like I don't think it's the end of the world. But like I don't think it's fair to write off the lock-in tournament. I know it doesn't have a bearing necessarily on, on where their placement is in, in spring split or anything. Um, but you still can like look at the quality of games that they were playing in lock-in to use as like a data point in some sense for like how good you think this team is it's not like i've watched just three games of tsm now i've watched i don't know 12 you know like i've watched more than half a split's worth by this point even though the games don't all contribute to the same end goal of getting into spring playoffs like i 
I still watch them play a bunch together, and it's not been impressive by any stretch of the imagination. So, like, yeah, if this was halfway through spring, like, imagine that. This is halfway through spring, and you've seen this many games. You would be worried, regardless of record, just by the eye test alone, which is what I think myself and a lot of others are, are going on. Uh, OPTSM fan, I'm kind of curious. When, like, okay, so Alice's point is that there's only five weeks of the split left, right, because it's shortened. So what... How important is to is it to you that TSM gets good by playoffs or during playoffs, or is it okay for you with you if they skip MSI and just start to to really come together in summer? I think if you're a realistic TSM fan right now, you shouldn't be thinking that there's even a remote chance that they make it to MSI, let alone make it into playoffs. Um, so, like I am, I have set the bar incredibly low from what I've seen. To Mark's point, it's not like I'm writing off what I've seen in the lock-in tournament and that they have a lot to improve on. But uh, I think TSM fans will have to learn patience this year where you don't have Bjergsen on the team anymore. We don't have Doublelift on the team anymore. There are people on Twitter saying that the wrong retired TSM player is coaching and everything, and they just want to draw like really stark uh, conclusions so early in the split that I think even if they were to miss playoffs, like I know that's not something that they as an org will probably say that they're okay with, but I think that is okay because you need to, I think, in some ways reteach um, the type of expectations towards your fans for this team. Like there's a world-class bot laner uh, in Sword Art there, and then you have a bunch of people who never really played together. You know, the Lost Hooney thing happened. Spica played with Lost a little bit, but like they're still trying to get all their, you know, wheels together. And there are other teams in the same boat too, but, uh, you know, People will be like, ah, oh, CLG barely beat TSM. And it's like, well, they're both kind of in the same boat, in my opinion. So it's like, if you're a TSM fan, you need to reevaluate your expectations for this team because they're not good enough now to make playoffs. But I don't think it's going to be a bad thing because I have faith within the staff, uh, maybe not the management who put themselves into a bad situation in the offseason, but in the staff currently and the way that Bjergsen says that he wants to approach the game to uh, achieve uh, long-term growth as opposed to short-term growth. Yeah, I, I think what I would say to that is, um, I, I, first of all, like obviously I think some people talking about TSM is an overreaction, but I do think that uh, it, there's a lot of justified reactions about TSM because, you know, when you compare it to someone like CLG, like CLG is kind of at least trying out new stuff in a sense. Like, you know, they brought in RJS, who's, you know, a super fresh player. Uh, they have things that seems like it could be good, but I think for TSM, part of the reason why people are so overly disappointed is that it's not like they're really bringing in a whole lot of like rookie talent in that sense. They're not really building something from scratch. I they sort of flexed how much money they're spending, saying you know like they have the most expensive league team. There's like the six million dollar sword art memes, uh, and then they picked up Huni and Power of Evil who. I don't think they're bad players or anything, but they're both kind of like very one-dimensional in how they play. Like, and so when you think about how a team's going to adapt and improve, Poe is a player who, pretty much for his whole career, has only really played mages. He's not the kind of guy who's going to like whip out the TF or Galio or you know those roam-heavy uh, like non-scaling champs too much. And then Huni's someone who's you know, going to borderline troll anytime he has to play a tank. <laughs> so, I like those things on top of just how bad their games are going. 
it's one thing when a team loses and you feel like they played well, but when I watch TSM's games, it does not seem like they understand what's going on. Like in the CLG one, there was a situation where TSM had like three dragons, oh, the fourth dragon spawning. CLG has a full setup on bot side with a poke comp, and any team in their right mind should be saying, okay, don't walk in there. Like we can just walk to Baron. That doesn't matter if they get the dragon. We don't need this soul. We're not even stronger right now. But TSM's just like walking in and they get fucked. And so those kind of mistakes just make it seem like they literally don't know what's going on because that's, I don't know how a pro player could see that situation and be like, yep, this is what we should be doing. So yeah, I, I think it is kind of justified what people are saying because they're pretty bad right now. <laughs> Me yeah, no. I, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, go Travis. I'm sorry. Uh, Medios, I was going to ask you, what do you think of their drafts? Because that's actually one area that I would have thought they would have been fairly strong in. Uh, you know, it's the type of thing where you think like, oh, Bjergsen's a very smart guy. He's been playing the game for a very long time, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I've, I know that their drafts have received a lot of criticism. So, Right. Uh, I have seen a lot of weird things in their draft. Uh, a big one being, I don't know how many games it was, but I kept seeing Hooney... Like, TSM would give up Camille and then take Nar into it, which to me makes legit no sense because that's one of the best counters to Nar. Like, if someone blinds Nar, you go Camille into it. And so Camille is one of the best top laners right now, and you're giving it up to give her a good matchup. And then almost every time it was going poorly, even I think Huni got, like, top-gapped by Niles. Uh, and then, you know, there's stuff like the Leandris Corgi that I talked about earlier, which was just, I don't know, like a world record cringe pick. And then right after that game, you know, it looks like TSM's doing better. They pick Azir, and then he does another troll build, like the Imperial Mandate tank Azir. And like, yeah, they won the game, but they were 10k gold down to CLG and should have hardcore lost. So I don't really count that one as a win either. So, um... Yeah, their their drafts don't look good, and their play doesn't look good either. TSM, can, yeah, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I don't. I I agree that their play doesn't look good. Um, oh darn it! I had I had a point, and I just lost it. Sorry. No, it's uh, good. You can talk. Uh, Mark, I mean, any any kind of follow up on this stuff? I know we've kind of belabored it uh, a bit, but if there's any final thoughts, maybe we'll give OPTSM fan a chance to to rethink his his moment. Uh, agreeing with Medios about like the drafts haven't been great. I, I don't really like a lot of what they're going for. Like uh, I don't love the scaling mages. I think control mages are obviously fine in the current meta, but the amount of Azir, Corky kind of stuff, um, it feels like a higher priority. And I know it's PoE, but it feels higher than, than a lot of other places I'm seeing it. So it's a little, like to Medios' point, unsure of how they want to play the game to me. Because um, they're still being really proactive. Like Huni's roaming mid, diving at six, killing himself. Like Sword Art's diving bot level six killing himself so like but those are the kinds of plays where i look at and i'm like i don't really want to blame the draft when you're doing that shit because like you know I, I i'm always much more concerned about what's going on in game than, than draft because uh, I, I don't really know you know what people's champ pools are who's deciding what i don't think there's i don't think they've hard out drafted anyone where it's like oh my god they win this game flat out off draft but i, I think the play has been way more sus to me yeah, I mean, yeah. I think one one thing I would say in TSM's defense and Bjergsen, like, I, I don't think it is realistic for a player to just automatically be an insane coach, you know, just right off the bat. I think it is okay to give Bjergsen, like, a little bit of time to sort of 
get his bearing and figure out what's going on because the way TSM looks right now, uh, Pee Wee even said it in his interview after the CLG game, is just they're playing really chaotic and it feels like probably everyone on the team doesn't feels probably very uncomfortable in the game. It's like you're not really doing plays that you yourself think's good. It's kind of like you just start doing what you think your teammates want you to be doing and then it just ends up looking like a complete mess. So I can understand that, you know, I think most pro players have probably been there in a situation where you know, the chemistry is just terrible and it can turn around, but uh, not necessarily always will in time. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I, I was gonna say, I think that bot play dive onto the Alistar who's level six is like the ultimate example of what you're talking about. Cause no support in their right mind thinks they ever want to dive in Alistar is level six, but like he was just mid, you were kind of building this wave for a dive, the Alistar, you're like, oh, we're going to punish the AD carry with a dive because the support just ganked our mid. Then it takes so long. And, they're like... and your team just goes for it anyways because it was like the play that you were setting up. And you should call it off. But like, I think, like Medios said, I think most pros and coaches have been in a situation where you can just feel like the total lack of like good shot calling going on. And people just go for these kinds of plays because they feel like they're, they're supposed to be doing them. Right. And yeah. I think it something that can help in that situation is just having like a really strong leader on the team, you know, someone that everyone can rally behind. But it's kind of hard because the only returning member was Spika. Their team's incredibly different from how it was before. I think everyone coming in probably feels like they have a lot of responsibility to lead the team. So, I don't know. I mean, I think it is fair to give them a little bit of time, for sure. Yeah, and that's the main thing I was going to reference is, like, <clears throat> the POE interview and then, like, people like Curry and Kays and people coming out. And, you know, like everyone, at least on the staff, staff, staff outwardly is admitting that there are problems and they know and they're addressing it. They're not like pushing it under the rug, which I felt like in previous forms of TSM, like either there would be like no conversation about it uh, on social media because like it was like the Bjergsen double a show or just Bjergsen and like, oh, well, they'll win off the back of like some heroic plays and stuff like that. But like now they have to like address like endemic problems within the way that they play and approach the game. And I think that the staff people in chat are like, what staff are you, are you confident in? You know, Kay's being from TL and Fnatic and Origin, you know, having success there. And then uh, Curry just last year with FlyQuest and stuff like that. These are these are staff members who can guide and help out Bjergsen. And I also think that they, they obviously have talented players. It's not like these players are bad, but to collectively, they are playing bad. What I'm saying is just that while I can admit that they're bad as a TSM fan currently, I am not ready to just be like, ah, three games in in the you know regular season we got to burn the ship we just we got to go find someone else to coach we got to find new players and stuff and that's the kind of uh dialogue that i'm seeing uh on twitter i'm not saying they're uh they are resolved of any type of like criticism thrown their way right i'm just saying i think that it's a little bit much right now especially it. given yeah. uh all the new pieces and stuff i i hear uh before we we say goodbye to you i'll just say you know mark and medios talks a lot about the the gameplay, and I would just say to the expectations, this is a team that most people had in the top four. Uh, now, admittedly, some of those, I think, like Mark placed them number four, I think, and that was the idea was that this is where they would end up at the end of spring. But when you have TSM come out and say, like, hey, we're, we're going to spend more than anybody else, they seemingly do. You have this world champ or the, you know, this world renowned player, Bjergsen, retire and become coach. This is like a team that has a, a large pedigree, and it's in during a time when we have some of the weakest teams I think we've had in the LCS in a long time, right? Like we had a bunch of these teams go to like budget, brand new development rosters. This is a team of 
you know, veterans, uh, world finalists, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's fair for people to be a little concerned when like a month in this team looks like they are the worst team in the league and you need CLG doing everything they can to lose to them to make it seem as though they are not the absolute worst in the team in the league. So that's why I think it's fair for people to be very alarmed at, at the team that they're seeing right now. Uh, is there anything you want to say, uh, TSM fan? Any shout-outs or anything like that before we take a quick break? Uh, Shout-out to Hotline League and Alien Weir and the secret sponsor that you'll announce, as well as uh, shout-out to um, all the amateur scene stuff that's going on uh, right now. Let's go give it a look. They're streaming cup stuff over on the Academy channel. That's going to be the future of NA. And, uh, yeah, go Lopes. Thank you so much uh, for the call. Really appreciate it. Good, good, good talk. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break really quickly to talk about Alienware. We love Alienware. Uh, they do awesome stuff. You should go check out their M15, M17 notebooks. Uh, Mark is pulling back the veil a little bit so that you can see just the tiniest little bit of, uh, there we go, the tower uh, that oh, we were able to, to hook up his uh, his girlfriend with It's an, uh, or a fantastic computer. Uh, go check out their stuff at alienware.com slash Travis. Use Travis10 off to save 10% on your order. I think we were having some issues with the code today, but I believe it should be resolved by the time this gets resolved or by the time this gets up. Uh, you can also look in the description for those links if you're on YouTube. And I uh, just want to say thank you so much to Alienware. They are an amazing partner and have been for so long. And uh, and we love them and everything that they do for us. So thank you so much to Alienware. Uh, can't wait to get out of the pandemic so we can go do cool stuff with them again like we did before, like the live hotline leagues and, and all that. So thanks to Alienware, uh, and thank you for everyone who checks them out. I'm going to put their link in the description, or sorry, in the chat right now as well. Uh, so thanks again, Alienware. We love you. And by the way, uh, it was funny because the past week we had an issue where the code, I think, was not stacking with a promo that they had running on the site. And I got so many messages from people uh, and it just shows me how many of you guys are actively trying to buy like an Alienware PC or product on any given day. So thank you all for the support of uh, my sponsors. It's always fantastic to see. So thank you. Uh, Mark, you want to go grab the next caller? Oh, he already is doing it. Fantastic. Okay, while he's doing that, let me read out a couple of sponsor, er, subs. Uh, Simba, thank you for the sub. Munsalicious and Matado. Matado, thank you for the prime mark should be here any second what are you playing lately medios besides skull and league of legends anything i've been playing a little bloons td6 still playing some wow nice very good i think i'm playing some other random stuff too anzai is here anzai where are you calling from <laughs> uh orange county california orange county california you sound excited to be from orange county california uh well I don't really like oranges, but uh, I guess. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, um, so my take is that uh, I don't want teams to write off picks like Ignite TP Camille, even if on stage, like last week, uh, if it gets like stomped and stuff, because I think that there is actual merit to going like flashless in lane against certain matchups. Uh, I I like that take actually. That's that's definitely a pretty hot man, take. It's a hot take because everybody kept flaming no. people for doing it against Blabber. C9 made a TikTok 
that I saw that was literally just Blabber killing people over and over again for not taking Flash. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, maybe C9's not the best team to do it against because, honestly, <laughs> you're probably going to lose to C9 regardless of what you do. And by giving them that easy of an avenue to do it, you know, you're, you're kind of asking for it. But I do agree that, you know, just because something hasn't worked yet doesn't mean that it can never work. And I do think it's an easy trap people fall into uh, with, you know, strategies or certain picks because, you know, there is merit to running that on Camille. You know, we saw, uh, what was it? Was it I think Ben, ben played it in LPL. Uh, yeah, and he did it at Worlds as well. So, you know, there's definitely merit to it. It can work. Uh, I think when I was watching it, you know, after the third time, it was kind of like, okay, you know, like, like when, when are you going to get it kind of thing? But the first times, it was just sort of like gross user error. Like, uh, Niles didn't ward for a level 2 gank and got punished by it. Uh, Huni didn't use either of his wards by four minutes and then took an aggressive trade. So it's like, you know, if you're going to play this, you know, do this strategy of running Ignite, no flash you should probably understand how it works and what you have, like the pitfalls of it. And so, you know, obviously these people are just making massive mistakes and getting hard punished against C9. But yeah, you know, I think that it can work. I do think it's something that's not just auto feed for sure. I, I think, think uh, that, uh, oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to say that I think the Immortals game, I think the IMT actually wanted to try it because they did the blue invade, but I think that the mistake was um, Blabber just outplayed Xerxes for the, the crab fight, and that made it end up like falling on its face. But I think that IMT kind of had the right idea because Xerxes was trying to like get space for Revenge to play the lane out, and I'll just have Blabber come up at like level 3 or 4 and just gank him. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. Is I think, like, they at least tried to cover for it with, like, a blue invade, probably drop a war on the way out, and then, like, hey, you're good. Uh, but he just got killed. And then under turret, which is like, hey, the, the wave's coming into me. Perfect. When you should have war coverage and be protected after a blue buff steal, he, like, walks a little too close to the wall and gets popped up during the Renekton stun. It's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's for sure dead there no matter what. Uh, I was talking to Sneaky about that one, actually. Uh, like, maybe he could have played it a little better, like, made them invest more, like, possibly gotten a flash out of it but something i noticed that was pretty big was uh i feel like it kind of came down to rune choice that xerxes lost that 1v1 so hard because he actually had inspiration secondary he went for dark harvest which i think that's fine on lilia you know people do phase rush or dark harvest but he also went inspiration secondary instead of sorcery while blabber had dark harvest with sorcery which gives you that water walking which is so big for those river fights because you know if you just watch the spacing in it like Blabber just dodged almost every ability Xerxes used just by a tiny bit. And so maybe 25 more move speed on Lilia, a little bit more AP, and he might have not gotten potent that hard. You know, so it's definitely, you know, a lot of stuff's going wrong. And then the Ignite Camille's getting the, receiving the, the biggest part of the punishment, for sure. Um, I will say as well, like, there's... Like, I wonder about some of the team comp stuff, too. Like, um, in some of these games, I can see, like, you know, Camille can do other things. Uh, I know the Jax matchup gets really tough, um, and you can use this to try and offset that uh, if you play it well. But I think Camille with, like, a Galio comp would be one where I'm like, I, I hope you never run Ignite with that because, like, Galio flash 
or having the Camille flash engage kind of thing with the, the Galio gives you such good team fighting that you're losing that. Um, that was not an instance where anyone did it. I, I looked at the comps quickly and like, for the most part, none of them were like insane 5v5 comps uh, where it's like, why don't you just take flash, you know, try to play the lane as best you can and then like actually be more useful in 5v5s. None, none of the comps really felt like, you know, that was an obvious play to go for. Um, so I, overall, I don't, I don't think like the Ignite was necessarily the problem. <laughs> like Media said, maybe some user errors. Um, I was also thinking that one of the issues could be about how teams like prioritizing Camille because I noticed that some teams like IMT did versus C9 and C9 also did this a, a couple of times in lock and when they prioritized Camille was they banned Jax. And then um, I watched the VOD for some of the coachings and in LS's VOD we interviewed Fudge. Fudge talked about how like it was easy to sort of get Camille into these positions where it was very hard for Camille to come out of it with like a win, like be with champs that can control the wave, like Renekton or Jax or Fiora and stuff like that. And I was wondering if maybe if you're going to prioritize Camille, you might have to ban like Jax and Renekton in order to play it uh, like that, or maybe uh, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a very good point too, because I think part of what is leading to them needing to take ignite is just getting into these bad matchups and something that uh, i'm a little surprised isn't more common by now but it seems like 100 thieves and c9 are the only teams comfortable enough to actually pick jacks into camille a lot of time people pick i don't know any number of weird stuff like gragas or uh i don't know you know just Nar. random stuff that <laughs> Yeah, Nar, exactly. Random stuff that's not Jax or Renekton, which th those are the lane counters to Camille. And so uh, when you're in that situation, it's like, okay, do I take Flash on Camille, which makes me a little bit safer to ganks, but I'm going to have a really terrible time in lane because although Camille is a very strong champion, she has some bad matchups. Like she can get to a point where she can't farm, which we saw in like a Fudge for someday, that one game where... Uh, Fudge won it on Camille, being down like 100 CS at 10 minutes or something. Insane. So definitely a drafting error. I think that what a lot of teams were doing was taking Camille in a point where C9 is just going to immediately counterpick it. So a way they probably could have done it, for example, like in the Immortals game, rather than taking Camille in your 1-2 on red, you could just like save it for third pick. That way, if C9 wants to take Camille blind, you can take the Renekton into it, you can take the Jax into it, or if they don't take Camille, you take Camille on three, and then you can ban Renekton Jax to cover it. So that's usually what people do with that kind of pick, and I think that would definitely make it go a lot better. I wonder if some of the, the picks too were also like, thinking that with Camille up, C9 would take it, and then when it falls to them one, two or something, uh, I mean, I, I, I still think you would expect them to prioritize Talia over Camille, but just feeling like, oh shit, okay, we got this pick, it's one of the best tops in the meta, take it right away, and you kind of just like, off priority of like, who you think is the best top, you kind of fall to it on default without, like you said, really thinking about the counter pick coming in and stuff. I wonder if that was just uh, people not wanting to give the the Camille over to C9, and it's like kind of a takeaway pick and a high priority pick without really thinking enough about what's gonna happen in game or like what's gonna be the counter pick. I think for some teams, they might be drafting with like a comp in mind without really caring about what C9 dress because when uh, IMT drafted Lilia on R2, 
Um, I was kind of confused because I thought they would take the Talia, but I guess they wanted the uh, the Lilia. And then they drafted Orion R3, so I think they came into the game wanting to pick Camille Ori as their like, combo. Uh, because it's like pretty strong. But C9 just picks on their neck and Talia on our uh, B2, B3, which kind of... Um, I wasn't sure what um, if IMT came into the game wanting to draft Camille or or if they wanted to respond to what C9 was picking. Yeah. Well, I uh, I guess we'll have to sort of see how things play out with this in the future. But I do appreciate the take, especially because so many people were just like, just take Flash. Uh, so thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out before we move on to the next caller? Uh, I just want to shout out that I think that uh, Smite Ghost in support is a pretty good pick still. So that's about it. Very good. Well, thank you so much for the call, and we'll catch you next time. Hey, bye. Bye. We're <laughs> good up until that last one. Um, okay, uh, Mark, you want to I, Actually, oh, I thought what he was saying was was pretty good. You know, that's 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 a good take for this kind of show. Something that's actually true in my opinion like i don't think ignite camille is terrible i think it can work but people doing it uh not doing it so well yeah i mean it's fun it's very funny too because chat will just always have the the weirdest perspectives on things too uh in comparison to the callers and sometimes it's sometimes we have a hard time where it's like do the callers want or do the does the chat just want callers that will say everything they agree with already because that's kind of like a a not fun show, so uh, people yeah. doing that. Sakowitz is here. Sakowitz, where are you calling from? I am calling from Dallas. Dallas. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? I want to talk about why CLG is going to end up turning it around by summer, and there'll be a top 14. Oh, boy. Okay. By so summer. This, this is going to be one of those ones where Twitch chat gets... Uh, now, listen, listen. I'm okay. a CLG fan. You're probably oh, really? wondering how I, I ended I up in this I didn't expect situation. that. Oh, it sounds like an unbiased take. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I think absolutely. I'm looking forward now, to the level I'm kind of how many to of their year, but this one I'm actually very excited. How how many um, of you are there left? Oh, that's a tough question. It's probably like six. That's okay. my best guess. I'm really not sure. It's you with like um, five other other people just chilling. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jack, Jack in chat the says dozens. dozens. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> Okay, so they're going to become a top four team. Who are the other three teams with them in the summer? Team Liquid, 100 Thieves, and Cloud9. Okay, all right. So I, don't, TSM... I think fourth is probably their limit with the roster that I, I'm considering. But So CLG you... State isn't great, and it hasn't been for a long time. But, you know, this season was kind of a soft reset for them. You know, it was basically just to get back into where we can win. We may not win, but we can. And... Okay, really quickly, though. Uh, yeah. you you have more faith in CLG than you do in TSM. 100%. Because our first call, and we all agreed, TSM looks like garbage right now. And guess what? CLG just lost to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. They, okay. they, they lost to TSM. That's absolutely okay. correct. I'll shut up. Go ahead. Teach yeah, me. Yeah, a few, a few things. Okay. So CLG is still missing a, an entire player. And, and because of that, they're one of the few organizations that is one of the only, I think they're the only organization currently taking advantage of the current LCS format, which allows them to sub someone in early 
to experiment with their roster to improve on the next time. When Broxa eventually comes in and gets that leadership and brings that leadership and experience to help tie together with Smoothie and Wild Turtle on how to actually end the games that they're performing well early in, um, overall, I think CLG will be coming a really will end up becoming a really successful team. Additionally, with the additions of RJS being subbed in, he actually he looks pretty incredible. He's certainly making some pretty obvious mistakes, but game by game, watching in order from Dig to what was the second one, Hundred Thieves, and then to TSM, he's making less and less of them. Mistakes are there, but he like, you can visually see him improving. Does that Not mean he's that, incredible? I think he looks pretty darn good for. Uh, a, a rookie, well, I, I say rookie mid laner. He was mid, then he swapped back to top, sure. then he swapped back to mid. But okay, sorry, continue. I didn't. I shouldn't have derailed you. Griffin also looks immensely better than last season, giving me hope that CLG's development is has improved a lot since the last few years. And yeah, I think once Brox is here, and if RJS keeps improving as he is, after MSI, I think they'll be in talks in top four. Okay. All right, go ahead and Very, me. very hot take. I feel like my keyboard and monitor are like glowing They're red smoking. a little bit. <laughs> oh, no, we're going to lose Meteos. This is going to overheat. My faith yeah. is too hot for you to handle. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of optimism. I, I respect the optimism for sure, you know, sticking with your boys. Uh, I am less optimistic about CLG's chances. I think that, uh, you know, the Visa issue for Broxus pretty big. Uh, I don't know how that keeps happening to him. It's pretty unlucky, oh, but yeah, like you said, if if they're looking for him to be a leader in the team, uh, having your leader there is definitely going to go a long way toward like building team chemistry and whatnot. And also, the uh, the situation with Pobelter is really weird to me, because like the way that was, that it sort of was announced <laughs> wasn't <laughs> even close to an announcement it was just turtle casually being like yeah you know uh bad bad attitude <laughs> with the coaches and and that's sort of like and media like doesn't people... inspire a whole lot of confidence um media like makes it when it... people announce departures in very professional ways uh from teams or benchings yeah totally <laughs> um <laughs> yeah it uh it's definitely making it seem like the team isn't super chill behind the scenes. Uh, seems like they've definitely been running into issues. And I can't imagine these massive throw losses are helping them too much. <laughs> I think maybe what they have going for them is sort of like they can get, you know, one of those honeymoon phases, if you will, when they bring Pobelter back. Because I will agree, RJS has looked decent in these games. I think especially his early mid game is pretty solid, but I have been noticing his team fighting is fairly weak. And even in the TSM game, um, he, he really wasn't getting very much meaningful poke done on Zoe. And it was also him who got caught at the very end. Um, well, maybe yeah. not the very end, but you know, led to TSM being able to get that Baron. So yeah, him getting caught has resulted in a, in two. Uh, it was it was also the dig, the reason they lost the dig game, right, with TF. Right, exactly, uh, and conference. that stuff's gonna happen. You know, he's uh, like you said, a rookie player, and he was playing top lane before, so it's a pretty understandable mistake, in my opinion. 
it, but it does sort of mean to me that I don't know if he's necessarily ready to be competing up against LCS mids because the people you're playing against are really, really damn good. Uh, even if he's like a solid player who maybe in a year or two can, you know, be competing for one of the better players, I think right now he's still probably a little too green. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe if Brox and Pobelter come back and they have like some better late game shot calling, they could close out some of their games. But their decision making, like I said earlier, is just it feels like they're looking to lose. Like <laughs> I don't know. It's it seems like there's only one decision you can make to lose a game in a lot of these, and they're finding it time and time again. They're... So it's it's a little difficult for me to watch at times. Especially that TSM one, man. I was like, "Are they really gonna let TSM get a win this game? Like, all you're gonna let Poe? That's all they had to do. You're gonna let Poe get late enough into the game that he has to sell his troll item to get a real item. That's that's how bad you threw this game. Like, you unintentionally let this guy recover his troll build. So, um, I, I. I I just want to read, so that on, on January 17th, I tweeted, and I think this is week two of the lock-in tournament, uh, you almost wonder if CLG, sh or was it week one? I said, you almost wonder if CLG should have subbed their entire academy in for lock-in because now they're going to start LCS in a pretty tilted state. Um, that's what Immortals ended up doing later. Their analyst replied to me and said, is it a bit strange to speculate on the morale of a team without any actual basis? It's always what? tough to lose, but the boys are in actually pretty good spirits, and we now know what to focus on in scrims going forward, and we'll confident we'll improve. Two weeks later, they benched Poe Belter for bad attitude. So, I mean, maybe they were on January 17th, but I feel vindicated a little bit in this tweet. Um, I think... So, like, I, I agree with a lot of Medius' points about RJS, like, actually not being that bad. Like, he's, you know, more or less playing fine for someone put into that position. Um, but like, even if he improves and becomes like even better and doesn't throw the games personally himself, you know, the actual decision-making is still pretty questionable right now. Um, maybe they, they don't lose the TSM game, but, uh, you know, the hundred thieves one and some of the other mistakes that this is happening is going to cost them games down the road too. And I don't think his individual improvement is going to matter that much on that level. I think the benching is super weird because the only like official wording that came out from the CLG organization, as far as I'm aware, was a tweet that was, you know, like, hey, we're using this time to experiment with our roster. And they just did not address anything Turtle said. <laughs> they didn't, they just glazed over, <laughs> like, you benched the player. And they're like, no, 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 we're promoting RJS. And it's like, you can try and sell me, you know, this gallant, like, like a half full thing. And like, I don't think so, dude. Like, We're promoting him for week one of LCS, right? Like, yeah. It's and it just what a so quick happens promotion. that this other effect is that Poe Belters. Yeah. It's like, you know, I would feel a lot better about the team if I had like more visibility into like the actual because it just feels like they're just not acknowledging like this this thing that a bunch of people have seen now from what the turtle interview. So one, I think morale is probably bad. I know it's like don't speculate, but like shit, I don't know. You benched the player, you guys did not look happy on the player cams. It looks pretty, pretty sad boys over there. Um you know, you don't have great decision-making and coordination. It's not just on the, the side of, of RJS. You know, like, Finn on the Gragas missed so many barrels. Like, it was insane. I thought oh, Nocturne was blinding him, too. So messed up. I think there was a bug. Nocturne must have been blinding blinding him as well. I, I guarantee you it would have been better for Finn to not use his ult that game 
than uses all the way he did. It, <laughs> it was like every time they had these insane rel Ori combos, and then he's like, "Yo, my turn!" Just throws his alt, knocks them all away. They just walk away. It was so hard to watch. If he my was Night Harbor Gragas, maybe you could justify it for like getting that burst in there. But he was full tank Gragas, just blowing oh. people away. That so. last one with the Elder Nocturne has Kaisa, no flash in a fear tether, and he just Gragas ults him out of it. It was so bad. Yeah, so like, I, w- I wonder if they're going to bring back CLG fighting this year. You know, the the their little oh, the doctor, team doctor series? series. I doubt it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. But either way, I guess my point is, like, there's legitimate issues with this team beyond, like, the mid-situation. Um, you know, the way I look at this is, like, how many more times are you going to get these massive leads realistically? Because there's going to be tough games. There's going to be games where you're not 5K up at 20 minutes, and then you throw. Like, you're going to have to play from even or behind and try and get back into the games, and you're losing these ones when you have the big advantages. Uh, you know, when Broxa shows up, he's not going to be a cure-all. You know, we saw that last year when Team Liquid was struggling. Broxa shows up. And it's like, oh, great, I just, you know, like the, you ride to the house on fire kind of thing. He's not going to be able to fix all their problems by himself. And I don't think he deserves to have that expectation put on him again. Do you think um, this means Poe Belter ends up on TSM for summer? I don't know. Either way, of, I'm, I, I'm, I think I missed a jump somewhere. That's the uh, that's a double left reference to uh, Prophecy uh, last year. And I see LZ 2017. We'll trade Poe Belter for Power of Evil. Um, I'm, sh- I'm shorting CLG. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't think it's. I don't think it's getting better. Medias, I know we're not supposed to speculate on on morale, but um, at, during your time as a pro player, uh, your experience, what is morale usually like on a team after a game like that TSM CLG one, where CLG loses uh, that? Are people usually in good spirits? Yeah, I'm. I feel so good after that. I'm like, <laughs> dude, we were so close to getting a win, but. Yeah, we got the loss. <laughs> I was worried we were going to win that one. We did a great job. We we came together. We managed to throw it hard. No, nah, hey. they, they're probably pretty upset. But then it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you put on your, your fake smiles. You're like, well, at least we got big early game advantages from their Imperial Mandate Azir kind of thing. And it's just like, oh, man. And you start thinking about it, and it just gets worse. So, I'll yeah, I don't you- know. I'll give you the positive. They got a lot of fantasy points. I got their bot lane on my fantasy team. With those long-ass games and like getting so far ahead and getting so many drakes, I actually got so many points from them. So that was actually pretty dope. One, one thing I will add, though, about Broxa is I, I think he's someone that might... He might actually have more of an impact on the team than people give him credit for because uh, when he did come into Liquid, I think they actually had a really good record in summer, didn't they? They were like 15-3 and three or something. And so I think Broxer received a ton of criticism on Liquid, even when they were winning, because um, maybe he's not, like, the flashiest-looking player. Uh, Maybe he just didn't... Like he said himself, he wasn't given a whole lot of resources on the team. I know that, you know, probably the way TL wanted to play was, you know, very laner-focused, not trying to get the jungler ahead. So maybe on CLG, if they have a different mindset and Broxa feels a little bit more comfortable in the situation, he can do some good stuff. Because he has been a really good player in the past. Um, I think that his reputation right now is a little bit worse than he deserves, for sure. So I think that is probably the hope I would hold on to as a CLG fan, is that Mr. Broxa can save the day. I just I just feel so bad for him, because I feel like on TL, like he showed up, he had to deal with all that stuff. He was like... I remember interviewing him and how, how depressed he was that he had to move to LA and suddenly like that right he got here right in time for the LCS to like go remote so then yeah. suddenly he's like shut in then he then like TL still goes to worlds but everyone keeps shitting on him 
And then he now is like, okay, well, I'm going to go to CLG. I can, I can build this team. I'm going to do it. And then like, he just has these issues. And meanwhile, the team is on fire. And like, I just, I feel so bad for them. He's like the nicest guy in the world to have this stuff happen. It's, it's such a bummer. Uh, Sakowitz, I think it's, uh, none of us believe that they're going to be a top four team. And, uh, I think that your take is very, very unlikely. I, I'm sorry. It's to okay. Say. Us, us six strong, remaining man. CLG fans Stay will strong. have the faith. They need their fans. <laughs> <laughs> All six of you. Anyway, thanks so much, uh, Sackowitz. Anything you want to shout out before we take a quick break? Uh, shout out to Alienware because they ho- they sponsor the show and amazing. Uh, shout out to Leche Lauren, the LCS Observer Extraordinaire and Challengers Uprising Broadcast Boy. And that's about it. Very good. Thank you. Shout out to Leche Lauren. Uh, thank you so much, Sackowitz. All right. Uh, so it is time for an announcement to take place i'm very excited about it. um so for podcast listeners uh i'm about to play a video i apologize because some of it won't translate over to you feel free to just pull over to the side of the road drop whatever you're doing load up the youtube video and find this exact moment uh but the premise behind this is that it takes place in uh january of, of 2020 so you won't see the text at the beginning but uh, i'm gonna mute discord now uh mark and mios i'll see you guys on the other side and uh here we go. Hey. Hey, man. How's it going? Good. You know, uh, just chilling. You excited for the new year now that we're getting back into it? Yeah, I mean, 2020 is looking real good. Uh, we have one team that finally looks like they're going to be able to compete internationally. So Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to go to China for the 10-year anniversary. And then even just outside of the games themselves, I'm just excited for a whole bunch of stuff that's hitting this year. You know? Sure, sure. Anyway, let's get into this. So uh, obviously, we have to kind of review Hotline League at where we're at. And i i think it's pretty good i think we've been doing a great job but i have some notes here for you if you like if you're open to feedback i know you're always open to feedback mark well let's hear it and then maybe we'll see how open i am okay well listen i've noticed it doesn't seem like you're always very focused or like you're paying attention to what's happening on the show and sometimes during the calls i just notice you like zoning out um i don't know if this is something you're aware of but it's definitely like feedback i've seen online i mean maybe but some of the calls are just bad what do you want me to do i get it but uh it just it looks bad when you are not like like you're you know falling asleep you're not you're not really there all right you got it 100 percent focus this year i'll give you 200 percent uh great i'm i'm happy and hopeful i hope you be that honestly i think it's pretty good i think we've been doing a great job but i have some notes here for you it doesn't seem like you're always very focused or like you're paying attention to what's happening on the show some of the calls are just bad i get it but uh it just it looks bad when you are you know falling asleep you're not you're not really there all right you got it 100 percent focus this year i'll give you 200 percent Well, nothing last year went according to plan, uh, including your promise that you would be more diligent while participating in the show. What do you want me to do? The world was on fire. I can't focus on some buffoons talking about their takes when I have to check social media and see what else is going wrong. First off, they're not buffoons. They're wonderful people. Secondly, I just need you to actually pay attention. Do you think that you could get some more energy? I can try, but I mean, I'm just tired all the time. 
All right, whatever. Uh, we can focus on that later. We need to actually figure out what to do about adding another sponsor. We want to add another sponsor to the show, and you know, we got six thousand applicants. Like every time TGI opens up applications, uh, so first off, let me just name off a couple. You tell me if anyone feel like a, a good brand fit. All right, hit me. All right, so we've got a couple luxury automobile manufacturers. Yeah, good call. My car is definitely not just dead in an alleyway from not driving okay. it. Uh, high fashion. Mm -hmm. You and me are going to revolutionize the walkway, man. Uh, this one is a yacht club. Okay, whatever. We just, it's got it. There's got to be something that's like a good fit. I just, we need to find something that can, I don't know. Yeah, well, I just want some product that I'm actually going to use. Wait, holy moly, I just figured out a solution to both of these problems. Well, Mark, what do you think? Uh, can NA actually win this year? I mean, yeah, I'm definitely uh, someone who's usually more pessimist about this kind of question, if NA's going to do well at Worlds. But this time around, I actually think there's a number of good teams who can actually compete. We had a number of big name imports. I think there's some super... Hey there. I just want to say thank you because I am officially a... Uh, Mountain Dew Game Fuel Ambassador, as you can see. I don't know if that's the, the terminology they're using for me. Whatever. Anyway, the, the point is, a lot of people say, I couldn't have done this without you. Uh, and that, you know, it's like a, a phrase. But this actually is true. And I want to explain the story about how this all happened. Because if you go and you look at the Game Fuel site, you'll notice that they tend to... Well, I'm a little outside of the, the, the group of folks that they tend to usually partner with. Um, and I, I really appreciate that they've done this, uh, but it all begins <clears throat> last May. Uh, so I think it was around May when uh, a game came out uh, and there was a little deal that you could do on, on Twitch to uh, play the game and drink game fuel. And I, I don't normally drink energy drinks. I don't like them. Uh, they're not normally something I, I enjoy. They're just not my thing. Um, but I tried game fuel uh, for the sponsorship. And I really, really liked it. <laughs> I really liked it so much that I went and go went to go find cases of it. And this was early on in the uh, situation we're in now. And it was just really difficult to find at the time because it was just sold out and supply was weird and all that stuff. But I'd go out and try to find these things like crazy. And I, <clears throat> I started to think, wow, it'd be really cool if I could get sponsored by them because they're the first uh, beverage that I can think of that I would ever want to be sponsored by. Uh, and so... A couple things happened. One, I hit up Kelby, uh, who works with me on the sales stuff. Some of you guys might know him from uh, his appearances on Hotline League. And he said that he would go talk to them. Uh, but still, I was kind of like outside of their normal group. Uh, and so then I staged like a fun little thing where I streamed a couple different times while drinking Game Fuel. And I, I asked you all to take screenshots of it and tweet at them and say, hey, I just saw this guy drinking Game Fuel and I'm curious where I could buy some. And you did it. <laughs> Quite a few of you did it, in fact. And I, they got their attention. I know from talking to Kelby that that was one of the things early on that they, they noticed. And so then that sort of took the beginning of the conversation to a good place. And then over the course of the rest of 2020, we were able to continue conversations. And so when 2021 hit, and we were looking for new partners and they were looking for new partners we were able to do this so anyway it's been quite fun uh going through the process with them i'm really excited to have them on board uh it's fantastic and i'm i'm gr really really happy to have a partner uh, that makes a product that i really like so 
Thank you so much to GameField for that. Thank you to all of you for helping make this happen. Shout out to Kelby as well. And you can go to GameField.com to check them out and use code Travis to save uh, at checkout. And by the way, that really would help me out because uh, I love for them to just see that people are trying the product and ordering it as part of this. Uh, so if you do decide to do that, I really, really appreciate it. And feel free, if you end up getting it, to tweet at them and let them know. But yeah, Code Travis will will save you some money and it'll help them know that you are doing it uh, in support of their support of Hotline League and so much of what I do here. So thanks again to GameFuel and all of you for helping to make this happen. Hello, we're back. <clears throat> I just I just played a very long video, so I'm not going to spend another five minutes talking about it. But thank you to uh, everyone that made this possible. It's a I forgot to mention it's a year long deal, so it's a it's quite an extended one. Mark, you have some right now. Oh wait, you're muted. Yeah, sorry. There you go. Now you can hear me. Um, but either way, yeah, it's a, a year long deal, so it's really great to have them come on as a a long term sponsor. Tons of people throwing out subs in the chat, which I really appreciate. What I appreciate less is the people who helped me do this spitting in Twitch chat. We scammed them. Scammed Game Fuel. We're not celebrating scamming Game Fuel, everyone, okay? Very excited about this. Uh, so thank you to Game Fuel. Thank you to everybody. And uh, let's let's grab our next caller. Ce we'll celebrate the sponsorship the only way with the cat shot. Great. Now everybody's going to get themselves timed out, Mark. Uh, by the way, we've got some cool stuff that we're going to do with them. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it on this episode, but we'll talk more about it next episode. Uh, ways that callers can actually uh, win game fuel uh, with us, which is kind of a cool thing. Okay, uh, Mark is grabbing the next caller uh, right now. How's it going, Medios? I appreciate that you stuck. I thought you were going to get up and go get, you know, get something or whatever, do something, and you stuck well, around to watch the video. How could I miss out on that high-tier porn level acting thank you uh that's that's how i needed to have that video described as my sponsors are watching the announcement uh Re oh. <laughs> revive is here revive where are you calling from atlantic city new jersey uh atlantic city and what do you want to talk about on the show um tsm and that they're pretty bad um, <laughs> okay okay so this is the foil to uh, take whoa slow down <laughs> uh so go ahead yeah. uh break it down for us they play pretty bad and I think there's a lot of blame being passed around, but it should be passed at TSM management. You know, you go huge with Sword Art and you spend millions of dollars on support and you go top lane and you kind of go budget value with Huni. You know, you had Broken Blade and you want an, an NA resident and you have Licorice and Impact both available, but you go with Huni instead. So you either put too much resources in your support or you just had, you know, bad decision-making picking up Huni over two proven better players. And with loss at AD Carry, you have FBI, you have Johnson available. And you have these teams who are like handicapped by the, you know, the NBA coronavirus thing and you don't capitalize on it. So, you know, you have the biggest roster turnover, like you, you've made some videos on. And I know it's like hindsight and it's kind of like cringe. It's only like week one, but there were so many good players available and TSM was in prime position to, you know, pluck some, you know, grade A talent, but they kind of got these five players who aren't performing well and um, expectations should be high, but people are kind of just like making excuses that they're performing poorly. Who would you have liked to have seen them pick up? Um, Impact, Licorice, or FBI and Johnson at an AD carry. And maybe not even Sorter. I think it's a bad decision. It's so much money where he's not being very impactful. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Sword Art situation was a little weird. I was trying to figure it out with TSM because I was under the belief that 
they were trying to get a really good support for double lift and so it seemed like they were in talks with sword art and then double lift bailed he was like not nah, actually don't want to play anymore <laughs> so then they still ended up getting sword art but then they didn't have double lift so it was kind of like they just had to go with lost at that point it also um i mean it's it's weird to think that a support is worth even that kind of money as a positional play, I think, is even a, a thing to, like, consider. I mean, Sword Art has an incredible pedigree, both with his time on Flash Wolves and obviously most recently with Sooning. I know a lot of people who watch LPL, um, you know, will say that there were a number of other LPL supports who were better than him um, over the course of that split um, during, like, regular season and playoffs and stuff. So I, I can understand, like, the whole, oh, maybe they should have got someone else kind of thing, but... Even that aside, you know, it feels like everyone's hoping that their support import like would be like Core JJ, but I don't, I don't know how realistic of a thing that is to expect. And a lot of import supports have not worked out to nearly that level. Um, if you just look at like the history of, of them, and, and most of them have not been like uh, Korean supports. It's been a lot, I think, more European ones. But but even then, I think it, it's worth questioning. Like, you know, it's like you get the best kicker in football, but you pay ten million dollars for him. It's like, is that even like? arguably a wise investment i don't know yeah i mean it's a lot of money i'm i'm a little curious about the huni being a budget pickup because i mean i have no idea what he's making on tsm but when he was on dig you know a couple of years back he had that you know completely monstrous salary like 1.25 million a year or something like that so i don't know if they they went with huni just due to financial reasons like trying to budget because you know they're saying they're spending the most money out of any team on their roster so it doesn't seem like you know budgeting was one of their primary concerns yeah i think to the caller's point though like do we do we feel like the tsm management or like the the back office whatever you want to call it like did the best thing that they could have with the money or you know, it's always hard to backseat, I think, this kind of stuff because you don't know how contract negotiations are going and stuff. But from a fan perspective, I think it's understandable to be like, hey, if money wasn't an issue, like this is not an acceptable, you know, kind of level of performance so far. I mean, I think uh, people were skeptical about the Hooney pickup, which made sense because he's had a controversial couple of years in the LCS in terms of his performance. And so you kind of hope that like, okay, well, maybe... TSM sees something in him that a lot of the fans haven't, or he's going to actually step up in a way that he hasn't previously, at least from the perception of people. And I don't think he's, people don't seem to be thinking like, oh man, who needs doing everything he can for this. And I mean, I think what's sad too is people seem to be turning to, to be more skeptical now. Like what what's happening is the opposite with POE, for instance, where people who thought POE was really good like Jensen even talked about how in the offseason, once Bjergsen retired, people were like, well, POE is really good. He could actually be a Jensen rival. And now people seem to not be very impressed with him. Um, uh, uh, Medios in particular does not like his builds. And so... Uh, <laughs> so well, I mean, POE is good, but he would be so much better if he didn't just have this compulsion to be an edgelord. Like, if he could just, <laughs> he could just save the, the, those builds for solo queue. You know, be like... Okay, guys, this is actually an LCS match. I'll take this one seriously. Like, yeah. if, if he could just be like be a little bit more, like, rather than trying the really edgy builds on the mages, just you know try out some of the other champions. Because one thing that I think is uh, 
a little odd that TSM went that direction is because a lot of the games where Spica actually looked really good last year was with uh, Bjergsen playing, you know, those kind of selfless mid lane champions that enable your team. Because Bjergsen is known as being kind of like the carry of TSM, but actually in a lot of their games, he was on, you know, Galio and even in the beginning of the season, Alien. Fiddlesticks. And then that, like, being able to roam with Spica and make all these plays was allowing TSM to get these huge advantages, you know, either for Broken Blade or Double Lift. Um, but now, you know, you've got someone who's pretty much set on being a mage player, someone who likes farming, going for the late game picks. And that honestly makes Spica's job that much harder because when you don't have mid prio, when you don't even have, like, the ability to 2v2 with your mid laner early, it sort of limits your options and what you can do. And I've seen Spica getting some flame for TSM's games, but honestly, like, he's still looked pretty good to me. I, I don't feel like he's been in a situation where he's had a whole lot of opportunity to, you know, make these game-winning plays happen. So I think there, uh, the management could definitely be questioned. Just going that route, uh, for sure, seems kind of odd. Well, And if you did want to go with PoE route, like, I don't think he's a bad player by any stretch. But I think you would want to, you know, pick up a player more like Impact who is going to be a selfless top. And then your whole game plan could be like, okay, we're just going to play around mid entirely, which is kind of what FlyQuest did uh, when they made it to Worlds last year. Like, Santorin ganks mid a ton. Uh, Never the rest top. of their team. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the rest of their team just set up PoE so well for success. So it definitely seems like they have a lot of different ideas going on. Um, and. I think it'll help if they can find some identity, but yeah, um, going off your point of the managers, doesn't seem like they were setting them up for immediate success for sure. Let me, let me ask both you guys, Mark and Medios. Let's say this team figures out how to play well together. Do you do you think that the the talent that is here with the players that are on it? But even if they figure out like their whatever communication issues, they're you know making the right calls and all that stuff, that they have the mechanics and the skill and the players and the roster to be able to be a top team in the LCS. I think individually, sure. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, because I think if the answer I, I, is I've yes, seen, yeah, you know, I've seen all of these players uh, have good games. You know, I think I'm not really questioning whether it's possible for them to individually do their job or anything like that. Uh, more just yeah comes down to team cohesion and who's going to be the one like making the sacrifices for the rest of the team so then we agree it, i mean if that's the case then it sounds like this could be a top team like they just need to figure out how to play as a team and we're good you don't necessarily need to make roster changes if people can figure out how to work together is the is the the sense i'm getting yeah i think yeah i think uh Having players develop new play styles, though, is sometimes difficult. Uh, and it shouldn't be understated that, like, hey, reinventing yourself as a player or, like, you know, just doing a new role that you're usually are not what you what your primary skill set is, you know, like, those those can be difficult. Like, PoE, playing Assassins and Galio and TF and some of the stuff like Medios was saying, like, that's not just, like, going to come overnight kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And... I think he's definitely comfortable with his style. It doesn't seem like he's really looking to branch out. He's just looking to make that work, which, you know, it's fine if the if the team can work around it, but, you know, somebody's probably got to make a shift. Yeah. Uh, well, Revive, um, 
It's, I mean, it's an interesting situation here because I think that you are pretty disappointed, but Medios and Mark, it sounds like they agree that the team might have some issues, but the players are maybe not the problem. I, I don't know. I'm kind of trying to reconcile the, the sort of the take plus. I think if I was going to wrap it up, I'd say like TSM can always improve. The players are individually fine, but this combination of players does not make any you know, intuitive sense when you look at how they all approach the game and, and stuff. And I think you're seeing some of that problems on the Rift, as well as the fact that it's five new players who have never played together. So I, I think like, you know, I think it's fair to say that the players deserve more time to try and figure out their synergy, but it's also kind of an uphill battle with just how the entire roster is constructed. Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, any thoughts, Revive? Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I just think, you know, Huni. Impact and Licorice are both individually talented players. I feel like it would just be easier with Impact, who's like a stable player, and he's proven time and time again he's he's good internationally. Like, if if money wasn't an issue, why not just go with him? It seems like a, a simple, you know, NA resident easy option. But Huni just seems so weird to me. And there's a lot of eighty carries available. Like FBI is a he had like he's the best eighty carry. He kind of stopped the assembly. Uh, why not? Because they wanted to all play together again. From what uh, I understand, there there's like. No, unless they just got the Golden Guardians roster, but I don't think that because they still thought they're going to. I mean, FBI was football. under con theoretically, they could have gone to Golden Guardians and said, because I'm but almost double certain if was, double if hadn't retired yet when like you would have wanted to start these. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's so true. like it doesn't, uh, it doesn't even really make sense on a timeline level. Okay. Yeah, and maybe that whole, that's part of the reason they were frustrated here. with him. Who? Uh, so the the what the all the statements apparently or like even double if stories seem to be that there was like frustration between TSM and double if on his on his way out and so um, it'd be interesting if that was a, a contributing thing we're just speculating but sorry go ahead revive yeah. that was just major mismanagement too like double if the one sword art they get like double if retires and they get sort sort of a week later so it's like what what happened I you could, they got the guy it, it, it's good I think they announced and, it a day later. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's like really bad management. I, I just wish like you're, if you're gonna go one direction, you get like double if and sword art, and then if you don't, if double if retires, and you like you have treats, right? So you get like treats lost, or you know, like it just seems like they're kind of. It just seems like a bad. It's, just, it's so weird. I don't. I don't understand it. Yeah. Well, it is is there anything you want to? Anything you want to shout out before we go on to our next caller? Uh, no, just a shout out. I actually bought a new computer. I don't really know much much about computers, but uh, you said Alienware was good, so I bought. One of these Alienware computers, it works pretty good. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm glad to hear it's working pretty good. I appreciate Hasn't it. Hasn't blown up yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's what I, you know what? Uh, buy what I Stay suggest because, um, you know, it works pretty good. I think that's... Yeah, throw away water, water so just not do game fuel from now. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> We're already getting the shout outs for, for people yeah. on that. I, I love to hear it. Anyway, thank you so much for Vive. Have a, have a good rest of your evening. You too. You, God, killed, you, you kept killing my attempt to do a fucking first law quote. What? Oh, you were trying to do a quote? Say, say one thing for Alienware computers. Say they won't explode on you. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a that's a literary reference uh, for the people that are, are not educated like Mark and myself. Um, huh. By the way, ton of people. <laughs> thank you, Medios, for the those. Ton of people subbed uh, during the the big announcement. Uh, Steve. Uh, uh, Kazulu, Cthulhu, uh, for Kobe, Mahmoud's open window, Ibrad, uh, C9 Fudge. Window? 
Yuma Street, Easy Stay Safe. I saw LS, by the way. LS was cheering people on to sub and also pl- uh, spamming the, spamming the game, game Field fuel. bot, uh, which I appreciate. So, LS, if you're still here, it's good good to see you. I hope you're doing well. Pokemonster, uh, Monsta433, where are you calling from? Hi, uh, I'm from Ottawa, Ontario. Ottawa, Ontario. What do you want to talk about on the show? Okay, so basically, Immortals are really well coached, really well drafted, and they're going to be our third seed at Worlds this year. <laughs> they're going to improve that much. Wow. Okay, so so far we've had uh, CLG is going to be top four, and then now we've got right. Immortals is going to be top three. Yeah, so uh, okay, it's so uh, who are the other two teams? Immortals and then CLG. Well, the other two are obviously uh, Team Liquid and then Cloud9. Okay. So hundred, they're going to be better than 100 Thieves, EG, and TSM, which I think are a lot of the, the teams that people would expect to, to maybe be in those pots. Okay, so um, why... Well, FlyQuest as well. Yeah. Uh, so why why are you so confident in Immortals? Okay. Um, yeah, do you want me to talk about why Immortals is so good or why the other teams won't improve? Let's start with uh, Immortals. Okay. So they're not afraid to try things at all. Like they've they've picked two completely fresh picks this week, uh, being the Lucian and the Ivern. And they're always like I mean they're they're trying new things even if they're not fresh. They're one of the very few teams who've let things through in draft like uh the Pantheon and the um Olaf. And they always like have a plan for it too. They're not just like messing around and letting random stuff through. Um, the team or the coaches are very focused on improvement, not on wins. They've been clear about that on social media. They've been clear about that just in the way that they play. Um, and they play around every player. So I think everyone is going to get good. They're not like, you know, some top laners who are new may be picking like only tanks. They've put revenge on very interesting picks every single time. Stuff like that. Uh, immortals to the moon. Okay, so then... Uh, why are the other teams... I, I, I want to be careful because I don't want to spend like five minutes on each team, but why are you skeptical of these other teams? Mm, okay, so... How many of these teams really have like a high improvement ceiling? Evil Geniuses, I think it's pretty clear that like everyone's pretty old, definitely could get better. Jazuka is kind of smurf, but we'll see. Um, who else is like... 100T? FlyQuest is... 100 Thieves. Okay, yeah. So 100 Thieves, they've been together for a while. Um, I think people underestimate Demonte. He could get better, but he's like... He has been around for a while. FBI and who, he, who he's been around forever. Like, they're kind of seeing a second resurgence, but do I see them getting a lot better? Some days also been around for a while. I don't know. Like, I feel that Immortals is much better drafted. Zix and Freeze aren't terrible coaches, but like, oh my god, I can go through like how genius their drafts are, and I would like to, if that's okay at some point. Um, but yeah, I feel that they're the draft diff, and I mean, the Immortals players have all been sort of, aside from Insanity and Revenge, who are new, fresh, uh, Reyes and Destiny have been considered some of the best in their role in their region. Cherche, even on a 10th place team, everyone was like, oh my god, this guy is best jungler in the league. So I think they have a higher presumed cap. Okay. Uh, I don't think I agree about Xerse being considered the best jungler in their league. 
at that point. He had some good moments. I think it was in 2019, two years ago. But I think last year he struggled. Um, and even even if he was still playing well, I think like you know, Yankos and some of the other self-made, like some of the other junglers were still pretty pretty clearly considered the best in Europe. Also, I mean. I think I'm 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 hot on on Immortals. Like I actually think they're going to improve a lot. I like like their coaching staff. I believe that they'll be able to improve quite a bit. Um, and Revenge has looked really good so far compared to his uh, academy season last year. I think he's he's been really good. Uh, you know that Ivern game was a bit of a whoopsie. <laughs> uh, the yeah, and he only died once. He had ten assists. Like KDA wise, he looked good. Yeah, but like I, I was a little caught up on that part because. Okay, so I, I do agree uh, with with the coaching thing. Um, I I met Andre, their coach, when I was on 100 Thieves in uh, was it like last year, two years ago? Well, we we uh, boot camped in Denmark and we stayed in the Origin facility. And so I really like their coach. I think he's a super smart guy, great coach. Yeah, I like him uh, too. For their drafts, I'm uh, I don't know if I'm as sold on them being insane drafts because like. Uh-huh. That Ivern top honestly felt like a troll pick to me. Maybe it's maybe it's an okay pick and Revenge didn't play it well, but when somebody blind picks Gangplank and you're down like 50 CS and five plates in the lane without really getting ganked, I don't think it's a very good pick. You know, like <laughs> Gangplank is supposed to get punished when he's blinded. Like you're not supposed to blind Gangplank. And not only is he getting away with it, He's smashing, and it was Niles, too, who's... Not to say he's not a good gangplank or anything like that, but he's a rookie. It's not like you're up against Alfari's gangplank or something like that. So, uh, I'm a little a we little just, unsure let, about that one. Po- I think I said have that a they really to, cool to go draft, the draft So, yeah. is this a good time so, for well, them to specifically, specifically that one. Um, I think the Ivern, it was a last pick. I think it's okay because you're up against four... Um, range champs and then obviously having the pop a bush down ability lets you win auto attack fights which kaisa kind of wants to be able to do but you have like a really strong desire for shields because olaf can kind of just get through all of like hecarim can't peel oriana can't peel um and you don't have like super mobile carries on oriana and kaisa kaisa can be but um so having just the extra shield on ivern can be kind of useful and again the bush so i think it was probably uh, pre-planned to stop the Olaf, and then they were okay with using it against the ranged. Um, I do agree that it didn't work out, <laughs> but having a tank like Ivern top into Niles, who's going to be probably too aggressive because he's been playing like that, he's got something to prove, I think it's not a terrible idea, and they saved the kill lane for... Um, well, it's not really a lane, but they saved like Shershe to be like the super fed person. He's up against Iconic, who's probably the least proven player on GG, maybe a Blaze Olive. So I thought that was kind of smart, but I agree that in the other drafts, they do a much better job at finding who to target, right? Like in the C9 game, uh, Fudge is like by far like you, you know you're going to target Fudge, right? So they put the Camille top, and then everyone else was more supportive against. Um, T- TL, the only person you're ever going to be able to bully on TL who isn't like world champion caliber is Tactical. And so they put the Blitz bot and they bullied Tactical. So I think that they've just had a really good plan in like identifying who to bully and how to go about doing it in every single game. Well, in the T9 
TL game, they picked Irelia into Kennen, which I would see more as a top lane focused draft than a bot lane focused draft. Yeah, I agree that like they as soon as you see the Kennen, obviously you're gonna just pop the Irelia and win the game. Although I guess you should say the same thing about uh Gangplank. But... I mean, I feel like we're getting pretty nitty gritty on specific drafts from this weekend versus like you know they're gonna be top three and go to Worlds. Like you you gotta like the other teams do smart shit too. Like did you see Hundred Thieves level one like against CLG? That was really smart. Like do you see EG's level one? That one was was hella smart with the Silas over the wall. Like other people are doing smart shit. There's good drafts out of, out of other teams. Like I don't think you can just say like one team has good drafts and then they're gonna like one v nine drafts. I right. think you still have I to worry about that. you have to worry about like player skill gaps. And I think there are like non negligible player skill gaps on this team currently that need to be substantially improved before you know you're winning best best multiple best of five series against these other teams to to actually go to worlds which is what you need to do yeah and i think player wise um insanity he has had a little bit of time in the league he's probably the one i'm least optimistic about but i think he's pretty good he's obviously we haven't seen a lot out of him he's just been playing one champion all weekend um but revenge like he's always been like a hardcore grinder in if on like FlyQuest, he was always streaming always grinding the game um and he's improved a lot he was like considered one of the worst tops in academy and now obviously he's looking pretty serviceable so i think he'll probably improve a lot and then obviously Shoshe is super flexible he's been strong he can support the team he's probably the shot caller and then the bot lane is fairly smurf but we'll have to see like they have been a little bit uh suspicious in the bot lane but well like i think with good coaching it's not as hard to fix what they've got Whereas, like, other teams, the only other one, yeah, would be 100 Thieves. And I don't know about, like, Someday and DeMonte and who he, how much they can improve. I mean, I'll just say that I don't think improvement has to just be player skill improvement. Like, maybe Someday's not going to become, like, he's going to go Super Saiyan 4 from his Super Saiyan 3 level currently. Like, I'm not really even concerned about that. Like, if he's the second best top, in NA and he stays the second best top in NA for the whole fucking split. Like that's not really the kind of improvement I'm, I'm concerned about. Like right now they, they pull off more dives than any other teams. They're super proactive on the map. Um, a lot of their dives suck this week, but they still were able to pull them off and like set up minion waves and coordinate on a team level. Whereas like some teams can't even do that. Like they're, they're pretty far ahead at this point. So like, yeah, maybe, maybe revenge goes from, I don't know what you put in right now, like seventh to like, fourth or third best top. I don't know. I'm just throwing numbers out, right? But, like, that's not the only hurdle you have to overcome to become a good team. And it's not just drafts. Like, I think there's a lot of things that other teams are, are substantially further ahead than them in multiple categories right now, um, which is why I think it's going to be a huge uphill battle to overcome. Yeah. I It's it's a, a fun idea, though, of the idea of Immortals going. And, and, by the way, this is another one of those calls where, like, if it happens... You're, I will get so many uh, wonderful YouTube views on on reposting this video again uh, and being like, Caller accurately predicts Immortals going to Worlds. Uh, Pokemonsta, 
Thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out here uh, at the end? Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Um, I guess I'll shout out my uh, friend who's an insane Immortals fan, Alex, not Jerome. Uh, yeah. Is this your gift to them? Sure. This call? <laughs> I, I actually just had the take, and then I was like, oh, yeah, you're an Immortals fan. Yeah. You should be happy. Well, hey, I mean, it sounds like you've got good reasons to bet on, you know, this is like when people talk about Doge going to the moon, uh, $1, you know, like if it happens, it's going to be good. Uh, thank you so diamond, much. Poke. Diamond hands. There yeah. You thank you so much, Pokey, for the call, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you. I saw LS in the <laughs> chat having uh, some struggles um, with the, the take, and I just, I... I, it's fascinating because he often says this is his favorite show to watch, uh, which is his way, I think, of saying that, you know, it's not his favorite over the ones that he's on. But uh, I'm surprised because I feel like the takes on the show would just I feel like they must give him a headache sometimes because he feels I, I feel like he's the type of guy that has a hard time when people give takes he disagrees with uh, or a little bit more zany. It can uh, be good to, to hear things even if you don't agree with them, right? Like you can just find out more about it, like find out why someone thinks the way they do. Cause you know, I don't think it's impossible that Immortals could be one of the top teams by the end. I think they've, you know, they've showed some promise. I, I would say from what we've seen so far, I don't think it's likely, but you know, could happen. Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, yeah, not teasing. I'm not teasing LS. That's more just like, I, uh, I know, I know he's just probably sitting there like, Oh, anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Mark. I listened to, to you for two hours. Uh, week travis i'm very used to listening to people i don't agree with at all thank you to the fritz for 10 months uh meat hook uh for gifting a sub to jack kyle 0808 for uh subbing for three years at tier two very generous uh cyan teal prime full retro uh narajiri hungry bridget who i don't know if it's the bridget i think it is but she subbed for Five months in advance, which is very generous of her. Uh, Nodak gifted 10 subs. Putasso for six months. And then uh, Kyle0808 gifting 20 subs. It's awesome. Uh, thank you so much. We got Green Servidae. Is that how you say Green Servidae? Yeah, that's that's exactly how you say it, actually. Where are you calling from? I am calling from Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. What do you want to talk about on the show? Um, so... I have a take that's kind of more about like the community reactions. Um, I, I will preface this. I am a Golden Guardians fan, so I'm definitely biased. But I literally think that people are being way too hard on Golden Guardians, and they're giving them way too much flack. Like I, I prefer to watch Doublelift's um, co-streams just because I feel like the, the analysis better than the castings. Um, but like he will not watch a Golden Guardians game. And I, I literally, it makes me so mad seeing people trash them constantly because I know for a fact that they're not an amazing team. But this roster was put together with the like express purpose of being developed. And like people don't really realize how good Maryville University actually was. So Niles and Iconic are like actually good players and people just seem to like trash them at every single chance they get you know i watched the cast and freak is like flaming every single decision and i i don't disagree that like niles is sometimes real cocky and like sometimes they make some big mistakes and their their games have like questionable macro but 
they were supposed to come into this with the like purpose of developing and if you watch their games their decision making is already like not that bad they just have to take a few more steps to get there and we watched golden guardians last year be really really good after they they were like an okay roster so i just think that people are being too hard on them and i think that eventually golden guardians is, is gonna be like a decent mid-tier team at best you know uh i so i agree a lot with the and i think on one of the the previous calls i said something about how um mark don't even try uh i said something about how it's disappointing because i feel like people people don't look at golden guardians the way like i think you should judge a team based off their strategy uh, and their their goals golden guardians is not looking to be a top four team this year they are looking to develop talent. And so I think it's fine for people to criticize them if they're going to say something like, uh, hey, you are, you're choosing the wrong talent to develop or you're not doing a good enough job of t developing talent. But it's like, wow, Niles is getting destroyed by, Al by Alfari. I can't believe Golden Guardian sucks. It's like, what did you expect to happen in this matchup, right? Like they've been yeah. transparent about the fact that they're going to be picking these players and that this is their goal so it's i i get that like people want to be critical of the the players but like i don't i just think it's weird when it feels as though some people are, are holding them to the same standard that they're holding like a tl or something you know yeah that's what i'm saying yeah i mean i i kind of agree that i think maybe people can go a little easier on golden guardians but at the same time i do kind of agree with Doublelift in the sense that like their games are not great to watch. And to the point of um, you know, Niles and Iconic coming from Maryville, I think that's a bit of a weird situation because uh Kalichit, in my opinion, is just really, really far below like what LCS or even Academy or like maybe even amateur skill level is at because you know, for LCS teams, it's people who've been playing the game for years who spend all day every day working at it, right? And collegiate teams is like people who are studying to go to school and just also happen to play league. There's not a lot of like diamond players in those teams. And so it kind of reminds me of a case where like, you know, somebody can make a really sick YouTube montage just smurfing against noobs and they'll look really good. But then, you know, you run into them in solo queue and they're actually not that good. It feels like, you know, are they really a big fish or were they just in a tiny pond? Because I think that, you know, they're kind of coming into LCS still with that big fish mindset, it's picking stuff like Quinn's or not Quinn's cleanse Quinn against some days Renekton or taking, you know, like the ignite Camille things that kind of you, you can pub stomp with, but all of a sudden when you try it against someone who's better than you, you just get completely clowned on. So, uh, in that regard, golden guardians hasn't impressed me too much. Also just like their overall map control, vision control, like team movements haven't been that great. So I do think it's cool of them to like develop a roster. I don't have high hopes for them this split. I think their players can learn a lot from the opportunity, but realistically, I don't think they're going to, you know, be in the top half of the standings. But we don't expect them to, right? Like you're, I mean, that's, it's, I, I, that's my thing is like, you, you seem to think that they aren't going to be in the top half. I th seem to think they're not going to be in the top half. So why do we should get why should we get frustrated when this team is like losing to the teams that we expect to be in the top half? 
Yeah, I, mean, I think that's totally fair. Like, if it's just the call is about expectations around this team, then yeah, I think people are probably being a little too harsh on Golden Guardians. But I guess my point was more so just, like, I don't think people need to be super critical of them. But, you know, I just think the expectation shouldn't be that high for them. I think, uh, yeah, it's it's actually somewhat interesting because there's like reactionary like you you're watching a game and you see a play and you're like oh god that's dog shit you know like and you're not really trying to flame anyone it's just like a reaction to like the play that you're that you just saw you know like oh my god that was such a terrible decision you know um and i can see co-streamers and people who are you know watching this stuff live in the moment you might just go like (laughs) and it's like flamey but you know like it's just your your gut reaction to a play and you're gonna as a, you know, like what we're talking about, a developmental team, you're going to have more of those kinds of reactions to this team versus like when you watch a TL versus 100 Thieves game or, or something like that, you know, like, so I can say, I can understand why there's this feeling that's more negative because if you're watching the game purely from a, how well is this team playing level, you're going to have more negative reactions to this team, uh, you know, which I, it's, I think what a lot of co-streamers do is they're just commenting on the actual quality of the game. Um, which isn't necessarily fair, but that's that's how they approach every team. To be at least they're like you know treating everyone the same way, which you can argue they shouldn't be doing because it's a developmental team. But I don't know. I don't. I I think people should be calmer on them. Like if you're calling for benchings or you're calling for like oh this guy sucks. Like if you're actually making those kinds of statements, you need to chill out. But if you're watching one of their games and you see them, you know fuck up some dive or they're doing some troll shit, like you know I, I can I can kind of forgive that reaction. The one thing I'll say is I'll go to bat for collegiate a little bit. Yes, on like the ramp up to like the actual collegiate championship, there's some trash teams, <laughs> like you know, like not even full diamond rosters and stuff. But by the time you get to the end, you know, Youngbin's been playing there, Bloodwater played there for a little bit. Like usually, most of those players are high diamond as a challenger um, by the end. But it's definitely to your point, not like they're spending day after day, eight hours a day grinding the game. Um, so it's just not going to be. It's apples to oranges at that point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I another thing too about the the collegiate scene and and why I think that like you know it's understandable that people are criticizing Niles for being like super cocky. I, I will never deny that. But like Maryville legitimately dominated the collegiate scene, and I, I went to a university that had um, a team that was a rival, and like. It was just insane how hard they would smash the collegiate teams. So, you know, Niles and Iconic, yes, they're inexperienced. Yes, when they played, like, they had to um, deal with their classes, which, you know, that's a ton of work. You can't really be committing to to the game. But, like, it, it's, it's still impressive that they have the raw skill where they're at. And I think that if Golden Guardian's coaching staff is able to, like, tame Niles' ego and work on iconic kind of like confidence in in his play i see him being like a little bit unconfident um i I think that those two players could be really good a blaze olive has been like one of the best academy mid laners for years now stixay i think has performed pretty well and newbie looks like okay sometimes a little questionable but really good otherwise like in the the login tournament i remember when he played galio he was nuts dude I, I just I think that that people really are are putting too much pressure on them, and when you look at the teams that they've actually played, I rank those teams as like either top four or 
not in playoffs. They've played uh, C9, they've played EG, they've played uh, TL, 100 Thieves. Like The teams that they've played are at the top, and, and they've lost to them, of course, but they've also played against TSM and CLG, and TSM was a close game, and they won against CLG. Like, you can't expect much more from them. Where, um, by the way, where does this Niles ego narrative come from? By the way, I'm trying. Does he has he said something somewhere that I missed, or is it just the way he plays in the game? It's it's not so much like his um, ego, like a, a player like Double Lift, where he'll um, you know trash talk and stuff. I, I think Niles does actually trash talk, but it's just the way he plays. Honestly, he he makes really aggressive trades and doesn't really seem to respect um, everything at all times. I I think some of it. It's like weirdly in the middle because from when he was in collegiate, I heard other players saying that, you know, he has an ego, you know, he talks shit kind of thing. Um, but I think when people are talking about it in this instance, they're mostly talking about like Medios was saying, like cleanse Quinn into, you know, Renekton kind of picks yeah, and stuff I, like that. I hate but, that. I agree. But I'll say like, man, fuck it. I, I'd rather you try something cool. Like, I think if that's the player he wants to be, if that's his play style, if that's, if that's who he's going to be, like, I don't know. All in, baby. Push, push the chips forward. Like you're the counter pick guy. Show me that LPL Quinn. You know, show me that Fiora. Show me that Ignite uh, Camille. Because if that's who you want to be, you know, like go, go for it. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really mind that so much. You know, it is, it does come across as overconfident picking those kind of things into someone who's probably better than you. But like, you don't see that that often. Like, it, it's, it's intriguing. I would say that. You know, obviously. He did get clowned on in those games. Like he's had some pretty hard feeds in a lot of his games, but I think that's kind of expected for a newer player. Like I don't think new players should just like play with your tail between their legs all the time. I think you know you got to learn at some point. You know, see what can be done into that. Maybe he feels like the matchup's unplayable for an Ecton, and then maybe he learns something from someday that day. Like, oh, okay, you know that's how I can handle it. That sort of thing. So, yeah, I don't think he's come across as overly cocky or anything. Um, probably just still has a lot to learn. Well, hey, thanks so much, Green, for the call. Anything you want to shout out yep. before we go on to our last caller? Yeah, uh, I want to shout out to whoever hired uh, all of the new broadcast talent. Primal, Emily, and the Tigers, I think, have been insane. I love watching them. Uh, also, whoever edited your Game Fuel video, that was, that was pretty good. Great. Uh, but that's it for me. I'll pass on the feedback. Thanks so much, Green. Yep. Yeah, have a good one. Notice uh, the, the snubbing of Alorum. Feels bad, man. And his cat. <laughs> and his banjo. Yeah. Well, I I'd like what what if that had just been? He's like shout out to uh, Primal Emily Latigris and Alorum's cat. The uh, <laughs> the the talent has been fantastic. Which, by the way, no shout out to that cat. All right. Uh, thank you to Fisher Molson, Poro on Mars, Ritzy, HC Hammy, Backflip, Stowins, One Bad Steve Jonesy, Blaine Blasphemy, and I Am the Reaper. All caught up now on subs. Thanks everyone uh, for the support. I miss Avali too. I do too. All right. Uh, BMW, thank you for calling. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, my topic was about, it kind of feels like there's a lack of genuine rivalry in LCS right now. 
and I might just be feeling nostalgic, but I started watching in season six, and it felt like there was a lot more emphasis on like hyping up a big Cloud9 TSM match, um, or even just comments from... like I remember that Dardock interview where he said their loss to CLG was a fluke. fluke. Yeah, we talked and, about uh, that recently, yeah. So good. Yeah. And um, stuff like double lifts, kind of saying Sneaky <laughs> could work on his laning, and then that build up moments where if Sneaky killed double lift in lane, like, I don't know, it just feels like, I think one of the issues was how many of the old faces left this year. Um, so I don't think it's... A, you know, the league's fault. It's just, it feels like there were big shoes to fill, and I'm worried if they'll be able to fill those. My, I don't know if you guys totally, have any thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually agree with you, and I think a mistake that I've kind of been seeing is uh, the broadcast trying to force the rivalries too hard. Like, even with the, uh, you know, C9 TSM rivalry, like, I feel like that one's kind of gone you know it's it, has, it hasn't really felt like a thing for a while in my opinion uh even having been part of it uh like even in their teaser for the match this weekend it was perks talking about g2 versus Fnatic half the time it was just like a really weird thing it, it didn't feel genuine so i think it is hard when a lot of you know fan favorite players aren't playing right now but i would like to see the narratives be a little bit more organic and not feel kind of like forced. Mark, did did I miss anything on the broadcast, or was the only time you guys talked about Jensen's comments about perks in that like let's talk about trash talking segment? I think during the start of the show. No, I think we talked about it a couple times. Okay, um, you got really quiet all of a sudden. I don't know why, but go ahead. Huh? Uh, maybe my, yeah, it's funny. Something. Uh, no, I I think we talked about it a couple times. I would need to go back and check. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because that, that was actually one that I thought was really authentic. Like, you had, uh, obviously, yes, it was in my interview and blah, blah, blah. But, like, Jensen was literally saying, like, I think Perks is good, but I don't think there's anything I can learn from him. And I think C9 is not going to be as good as people think that they're going to be. And then they, like, faced off in the finals. And um, I I might have missed it because, like, oftentimes I miss chunks of the broadcast when I'm going and doing these postgame interviews. But... Uh, I thought that that was like a great opportunity. You have the finals, you have the mid laner saying that this new like all-star player that's coming to the league is actually not as impressive as perhaps people think he's going to be and is not going to be that much of a challenge for him or whatever. And uh, I was just kind of disappointed that that wasn't played up more. Um, you know, like I even, I told, I, I tweeted, I think that Riot could take take the clip even from, from my stuff. Mm -hmm. Play it. I don't mm -hmm. care. Just that's, hype that's it. Great. They can full think, screen just the second. I don't need any credit. They can cut out my like Alienware logo or link, and like they they could just full screen. Yeah, I can give them the raw footage of Jensen just saying that into a camera. Mark, you okay? Yeah, dude. I think that's not really the problem. <laughs> I think like to to some of his points, like because um, there's there's different like I guess you would call them like uh, channels that things are being made, like the people who make features and the people who make the analyst test segments and the people who do uh, 
different portions of the analyst desk. Like the person who edits my lo-fi plays is not the person who's doing features. I'm pretty sure like, and even if they were editing it, they might not be the one producing it. So like there's different avenues where you can, you can discuss this kind of stuff. I think we do an okay job. I don't want to force narratives. I, and I agree with the caller that I feel like there is a lack of, of rivalries because every fucking team every two years has like a hundred percent turnover roster turnover at this point in the LCS. Like the one person who hadn't done that was Bjergsen and he's gone now. Um, Double F just played for like, you know, was it five orgs at this point, four orgs, you know, like now he's gone. Um, there's, there's a whole lot of new players. Um, and I think you got to have to just give it time. Like I can't, you know, like what rivalry is insane right now in NA that, you know, we're not, is there one that I'm just like blanking on? That's this insane rivalry that I'm not thinking of. You know, Speak, like uh, Jensen perks. Fuck you. Anyway, yeah, I think C9 TL, but another thing that's kind of weird about rivalries is I feel like players rotate teams so much more in LCS than they do in traditional sports. So it's like, you know, maybe one year you're on this side of the rivalry next year. You're on the other side. And it's like, Oh yeah, man, I'm diehard C9. Like we're going to really going to take it to him. Then the next year you're like, Oh dude, I hate C9, man. Like, it's just like, ah, uh, nah, that's not going to work for me. And I think there are some areas where you can have, like, more player-focused ones. You know, like, Santorin versus Blabber. It's like, okay, FlyQuest versus TL is not really a storyline because... Or, like, you know, versus C9 isn't really a storyline because he was on FlyQuest versus C9 in that finals, but now he's on TL. And Blabber versus Santorin, they don't even have any, like, specific beef. Or I don't even know if they've ever, like, shit-talked each other or said anything. You know, like... What what narrative am I supposed to paint there other than like, hey, this is arguably one two in the jungle in NA, and and we we do that, you know, we'll say like these are the best you guys. Here's Blabber's play style. Here's here's Santorin's play style. These are their most played champs. Here's how they approach the game. Here's the lanes they gank the most, you know, like. But I can't, it like there's no rivalry there necessarily. Yeah, I agree. So it's like, like that's, these times I face think, each other, but there's not like there's some underlying narrative that makes it very interesting when they clash again. Right, which is why I do appreciate to your your interview, you know, like Jensen being honest about how he doesn't view Perks as like this insane player who's going to level up NA. You know, like I think that that stuff's really good and I, I want more of it so that there's more to play with for the, the broadcast. And I'm not saying this is like a, oh, give us, give us a pass, guys. We're doing the best that we possibly can. I'm not saying there's no improvements to be made, but like I wonder what is a... Like, is there one that I'm just totally blanking yeah. on? Because I don't feel like there is even an insane rivalry to even hype up at this point because what is it? Someone I think there tell. was a thread on the Team Liquid subreddit this weekend that was just like, who's our rival? And it was like a fan that's just like, <laughs> I have like a fan of Who do Liquid. I hate, you know? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who my rival is. Do we have a rival team? Like, it's, it's, uh, it's so I, I yeah, I, I get it. Um, I agree a lot that it's like, it's it's hard to think of stuff. I mean, I think part of it is like the league to your point has just been exploding and weird and unusual and like new players have come in and all that stuff. And I guess maybe that's part of the cost of it is like, I don't know the, the thing that would have been, I hear, I will tell you one thing. If seal, if TSM had lost to CLG yesterday after Andy had said the rivalry is dead and CLG is a dead org, that's spicy and fun. I like that a lot. I wish that there had been a little bit more conversation about the stakes there, but um, yeah, there's just not really a, a natural one, I don't think. And I, I, think, I actually, I think there are a decent amount of like storyline rivalries. Like it's just from when I was watching, I always think it's interesting to like 
see players versus their former teams, especially if they got dropped by that team. So, you know, like I was really interested to watch EG versus TL in the like lock-in playoffs because it's kind of like yeah, impact. Uh, yeah, impact like going up against his former team or like Golden Guardians versus CLG because it sticks a going up against his former team, just stuff like that. And I don't think you need to like make it some long-standing rivalry where you try to be like, oh, you know, it's just like a, a dynasty in the making, but just, you know, mention it because a lot of times you can kind of tell like the players will look a little different in those games. Like it looked like Stix A really was trying his ass off against CLG and he kind of just like dominated them. Whereas like when you're watching Impact and EG, it felt like he was trying super hard against TL, but, you know, maybe he was like getting tilted toward the end because he started making some like uncharacteristic mistakes, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, we definitely tried it to hit those ones because I know I know if we definitely talked about Impact versus former team. Um, we we usually try to get the former team rivalries discussed, uh, and like even some of them like Jensen versus uh, Svensk Aaron is one that I know we've like master versus people kind of thing. We wrote that for a little bit, um, and we we try to find those areas. Um, I think part of it is just like time too. When you bring in, I don't know how many new players there are this year, but it feels like there's a shitload. Like. They're going to need time for things to naturally develop. Um, you know, one of the reasons that good rivalries are awesome is because there's a history to them. And like when you bring in Perks to NA for the first time, <laughs> give them a little bit of time to find a rivalry. You know, I, it's been a couple weeks of competition. And I think same with like, uh, I don't know, Jose Diodo and <laughs> fuck, I don't know, maybe Niles is going to like pop off one game, shit talk someone after doing it. And then they will have a Niles versus this guy beef. You know, like Niles has been here for four weeks. And they're struggling, you know. I think more of these will develop over time. But this was a really weird year where, you know, half the orgs went developmental approach, develop, developmental approach, and you're gonna have to give it some time. They're uh, they're doing all they're talking about all these things like the impact one medios while you're playing skull. You just can't hear it because uh, you're busy playing skull. I was talking about it while playing skull, so jokes on you. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I want I want to see Mark on the analyst desk playing Skull. I think that that would be great. What do you uh, think I'm doing on the remote broadcast setup? Dude? That's true. Uh, you you usually seem as uh, engaged as you do on this show. Though now our new sponsor will solve all of that. Uh, BMW, any thoughts on anything you've you've heard here as we start to wind down the show? BMW, I see your mic lighting up, but I don't hear you. Can. Oh, you hear me now? Yeah, you're breaking up a bit, but go ahead. Um, I was just saying, I think the desk does a good job. I just, as Mark was saying, it's hard this year with the amount of roster turnover. And I think we all know it, but double if retiring, I think he just, I feel like every rivalry was kind of involving him in some way. So obviously those are big shoes to fill, but I'm hopeful that with perks coming over that, uh, we can definitely build some new ones for the yeah. future. Well, I guess I guess we'll have to see how things go. I'm I'm hopeful. I would love narratives. I just I definitely want. I, I think there's been some highlight moments for LCS. I think there's some stuff to be excited about, but I definitely do feel like we're missing some stuff. So, uh, thank you so much for the call. Any shout outs or plugs before we wrap up the show? Uh, yeah, one. I think when um, League is back in person, I th think LCS finals should come to Philadelphia. Um, it's come to New York, so I think Philly would be great. And two, I think um, cats are a great pet, especially during COVID time. 
Well, uh, that's our caller. Uh, unfortunately, almost as good as dogs. He disconnected. Um, anyway, that's the show. Mark, mm. what do you got to shout out? Plug. What's going on? Uh, shout out to Game Fuel. Great, great. That's you it. look very I'm focused, glad, Mark. Glad that you solved the enthusiasm <laughs> issue we talked about in this game. Didn't I not just have yeah. so much energy right there? Yeah, two hundred percent. No, but it is true. Mark, uh, Mark does like to drink uh, beverages of the. I am, variety. I am actually a highly caffeinated person. He is, um, and so we've we've so been I'm... able to get him cases and cases of that stuff. He he likes the zero as well as the, the uh, cherry flavor. So. Uh, go check that out. Um, anything else, Mark? Do you got anything that's happening this week? Um, check out the about? dive. It'll come out tomorrow morning. Anything else happening this week you can talk about yet? Um, maybe. Are you allowed to talk about it? I don't know. I haven't asked them. Okay. Well, then I won't make you talk about it. But um, yeah. I don't think it matters. I'm I'm casting a TFT thing with uh, Kobe uh, on Wednesday. Yeah. Tr- Twitch rivals. Very good. There you go. Uh, and I'm playing in it. Are you? No, nope. you're not. I, I've, <laughs> I've looked at the player list. Uh, Medios, what do you got for us? Um, Not a whole lot. I mean, thanks for having me. It was a good time, as always. And uh, for people who haven't checked out my co-stream, maybe you can stop by. I'm co-streaming every LCS match uh, over at twitch.tv slash Medios. So hope to see some new faces. It's it's a very good co-stream. I spent a lot of time there. And also, if you like Skull, you can catch a lot of that Skull action in between the games. Uh, thank you so much to Medios for coming on the show. Uh, a couple different things. One, uh, I've got a pretty busy week. So I, tomorrow, am doing a stream for Adobe that's sponsored. Uh, I believe I'm going to be on the front page of Twitch for it. And I am doing it with James Chen and one other uh, person as well. We're going to be doing some video creation and premiere. So that's kind of cool. I get to do that. And on Wednesday, for those of you that are aware of Code Miko, I'm going to be interviewed by Code Miko on her stream at 1230 Pacific, uh, which should be pretty fun. She's a, a, a really talented individual that I'm I'm looking forward to, to doing the interview. I, I think it should be really cool. So I'm excited about that. And then trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, shout out to Gamefield. Uh, really excited to have them on as a sponsor. Cool to sign another one-year deal. Besides Alienware, our TGI's only ever uh, signed that, that one-year deal with them. So it's cool to, to be able to do this. Anyway, this has been Hotline League, episode one fifty, episode one fifty-nine. We'll catch you next time.